With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. And furtherance of the Nazi eugenics plan. And basically the plan was let out of the closet, so to speak, by this guy named Dr. Richard Day who is a professor of pediatrics at Mount Sinai Medical School in New York. The guy was also the medical director of Planned Parenthood Foundation of America, was an atheist, and he was an insider of the New World Order. So what happened was the guy gave a lecture to the Pittsburgh Pediatric Society in 1969 where he let the uh, hushed cat out of the bag and his lecture was taped and those tapes were finally transcribed. And basically the agenda is to corrupt morality, encourage unrestricted sense gratification and eliminate or ridicule religiosity, spirituality, common sense, and the concept of right or wrong. So <clears throat> what happened was I got a copy of all those tape transcriptions, and I disseminated them, and I wrote them, and I, I whatever, anyway, I put it all together. So what I'm going to do on this show is basically list the agendas that society was going to be ingrained to follow. And suffice it to say that the powers to be, the haves, want our world to basically go to hell in a handbasket so they can dictate activity, consciousness, and work towards the ultimate control over each and every one of us. So the guy, Dr. Day, begins his lecture by saying, and this is a quote, is there a power a force or a group of men organizing and redirecting change. Everything is in place and nobody can stop us now. People will have to get used to change. Okay, so this is how he starts his his rap, right? So the point that he talked about, and I'm not going to elaborate on each and every one of them, but after I enumerate all his points, then we'll get into a little bit more conversation so you can understand. Now, you've got to remember, like I said, this is back in 1969. That's, um, you know, 40-some-odd years ago, okay? So the point, the stated goals of this new world order are population control, having to ask permission to bear children, redirecting the purpose of sex, 
In other words, sex without reproduction and reproduction without sex. Contraception universally available to everyone. Sex education as a tool of world government. Tax-funded abortion as population control. Encouraging homosexuality as a means of population control. Families to diminish in importance. Euthanasia and the demise pill. Limiting access to affordable medical care makes eliminating the elderly easier. Planning the control over medicine. Elimination of private doctors. Too difficult to diagnose and untreatable diseases. Suppressing cancer cure as a means of population control. Inducing heart attacks as a form of assassination. Education as a tool for accelerating the onset of puberty and evolution. Blending all religions. The old religions will have to go. Changing the Bible through revisions of key words. Having the churches help the new world order. Restructuring education as a tool of indoctrination. More time in schools but not learning anything. Controlling who has access to information. Schools as the hub of the community. Some books would just disappear from the library. Changing laws. Encouraging drug abuse to create a jungle atmosphere. Promoting alcohol abuse. Restrictions on travel. The need for more jails and using hospitals as jails. No more security. Crime used to manage society. Curtailment of American industrial preeminence. Shifting populations and economies, basically tearing social roots. Using sports as a tool of social change. I'll talk about that one later because that's so prevalent and ridiculous. Sex and violence inculcated through entertainment, travel restrictions and implanted IDs, food control, hello, Monsanto, weather control, the Heart Project, uh, which was evidenced by Hurricane Sandy. You may remember that hurricane that hit the Jersey Shore. That was ultimately directed towards Wall Street, but it missed its target. Knowing how people respond to make them do what you want. Falsified scientific research. Hello, Monsanto. Terrorism. Financial control. Surveillance. Implants. And televisions that watch you. Homeownership, a thing of the past. And the arrival of the totalitarian global system. Okay, those were his points. That's what he talked about. And I'm sure by now, just by listening to that, you have some idea of how much of this 
has already been implemented. So as I continue to talk about how Dr. Douglas presented them, you have to realize that we have to have more fight against the non-labeling of GMO foods. We have more fight. We have to fight more against this because this is all planned. This is really all planned. And if you want documentation, just Google the new order of barbarians. Seriously, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not making this stuff up. And this is stuff that you um, that you have to understand because the key, the key here, the key here is the haves want us gone so they can enjoy more false enjoyment. Seriously. So, first and foremost, when Dave spoke openly about this in 1969, what he talked about started in Hitler's day. And despite Hitler losing the war, the Rockefellers, Prescott Bush, yes, that was the senior Bush of the two presidents that we had, I.G. Farben and the other halves decided to push forward. So here we are, you know, let's, let's, you know, so 22 years later, after Dr. Day's lecture, which would be around 1991, two of his buddies, Randy Engel and Dr. Lawrence Dunnigan, got to talk about it. And after elaborating a little bit on their thoughts, we'll get to the modern-day atrocities that you can see happening in front of you on a day-by-day basis. So when they discussed cancer cures, they talked about the numerous cancer cures sitting at the Rockefeller Institute, which was withheld from the public and the medical profession. And while Day spoke about this, he also said, when he addressed these people, you will forget most or much of what I'm going to tell you tonight. So why would they forget? Do you possibly think that a huge flesh-based meal and unlimited alcohol would have anything to do with that? Even then, Back in 69, the people were dumbed down. So while talking about changing the image of the doctor, it was to turn them into a high-paid technician rather than a professional who exercises independent judgment on behalf of his independent patient. So if you look at today's physician, for the most part, you see a hooker for the big pharmaceutical pimp treating a a symptom endlessly with toxic synthetic chemicals instead of trying to dig for the cure. And what does this lifetime of filling the body with endless toxic chemicals do? 
it shortens the lifespan. Then they compared the Americans to the Europeans and said that the Americans were too trusting and never asked the right questions, while the Europeans were more skeptical and more sophisticated. So the Americans had this lack of discernment and were easily tricked because they were too trusting. So in other words, if you want someone to do something and you know that initially they might balk at it because it's against their morals or religious beliefs, you have to substitute another reason that will be acceptable. And then after it is accepted, it'll be a done deal and there will be no turning back. So in this vein, for example, Look how quickly the so-called AIDS education was introduced and ultimately accepted. So if a group wanted to introduce the concept of sodomy or initiate sex earlier and earlier in children, and that was the reason given, you as a parent would not go for it. But what if the reason was changed? and then accepted. And the new reason that was changed was to protect the children from AIDS. So now that education is available from kindergarten to 12th grade, it's a great boon for the homosexual network because now they have access to the kids from the earliest years. So the emphasis on youth was stated Explicitly, because people beyond a certain age are not set in their ways and they're not likely to change or discard their values. But the little kids, they're very pliable. You understand? They are very, very pliable. And you can mold them. And, 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 and this is what you do. So by being pliable and being molded in any direction you want, you can target the young because they'll be around a lot longer than the old fogies that die off anyway. So Dr. Day recognized Activity as a bizarre, abnormal behavior. But that activity was just another element in the law of the jungle because people who are stupid enough to go along with it are not fit to inhabit the planet and they'll just go by the wayside. And if you're dumb enough to be convinced by the promotion of homosexuality, you don't deserve a place, then they'll, you'll get, they'll be rid of you soon enough. So the people who will survive are also smart enough not to be deluded by the propaganda. That's what he said. Guy was a true humanitarian. So from this promotion of homosexuality came the concept of downgrading or eliminating God from the equation altogether. And the concept of not being able to see him led to the propaganda of doubting his existence. After all, since God's heart
heartily denounce, rejected, and punished homosexual behavior. If you can take him out of the picture, anything goes. And you wait. How long is it going to be before pedophilia emerges as a natural process? Well, actually, it does exist right now in the Catholic Church. And what happens when a priest is found to be a pedophile? Well, he's just sent to another parish. It's really simple. So when Dr. Day attacked religion because he was an atheist, he advocated creating our own religion. Because in doing so, then they could further define what religion is. And what was their target? The Roman Catholic Church. And what he said was, once that falls, the rest of Christianity will be easy. So along these lines, back in 213, there was this article in the Honolulu Star Advertiser about a church service in Los Angeles that was made up of atheists finding camaraderie without religion. So this movement dovetails with new studies that show an increasing number of Americans drifting away from any religious affiliation. And this uh, organization, the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life, released a study that found 20% of Americans say they have no religious affiliations, which was an increase from 15% in the last five years, and that was back in 2013. So maybe the concept of abandoning religious or spiritual values has not encompassed all of society. But as you can see, it is growing. And what fruit does a godless society bear? Chaos, quarrel, and confusion. So regarding the Bible, Dr. Day said the plan was underfoot to change wording. And as he put it, Words are weapons, and an example would be to change the word altar to table or sacrifice to meal. When you change words, you change ideas, you change thoughts. Now, take the word gay, for example. When I grew up as a little kid in the 40s and 50s, gay meant happy. Today, it's a mahu, it's a pervert. And it's never used in any other way. And then we have, quote, unquote, sex education. Is that not just a euphemism for conditioning? Seriously. Is it? I mean, I mean, come on. And why was the word homophobe created? It's obvious. And, and, and that being the case, why has the word heterophobe never been used in the mainstream media? Tim suckers and tricks. It's all about creating a mindset and directing you down a particular road. Now, what kind of reason would there be for promoting abortion? Well, obviously, when you kill them off early, you're left with oldies that will die sooner with fewer left behind. Doesn't this blend in perfectly with population reduction? So the concept of sex without reproduction was greatly emphasized. 
Hello, birth control pills. Abortions at will. Sense enjoyment, uberalis. Hitler said, Deutschland uberalis. Germany over all others. Now it's sex over morality. So the, sub- the subject of population control was easily solved. The use of microchips solved that issue. So you, in, by implanting microchips, population control is simplified. Everything about an individual becomes public. Their money, their sex lives, their contacts, their thoughts, everything is made available to the have. By the fucking system, you get your blood pulled. And at that point, you'll have no life. But the haves will be exempt from that and will have their privacy reserved. No one else. When it comes to music, the young and the old have different tastes. The old like it quiet, and the young like it loud and busy. The problem that this creates is turmoil in the family because of the sound variations in the house. So in rebellion, the youth take to the streets or vacate the house, causing family dissension and distancing. So to implement these changes, the new authority would have to present itself and its ideas. What better time than in the winter on a weekend? Now, why? Well, in the winter, people are less apt to travel. And on the weekend, government agencies are closed, making it so no one would be able to question anything. So also, an agreement would have to be signed. Sign up and you're good. Don't sign up and you won't get any electrical impulses in your bank account, no impulses to pay your electric bills or your mortgage or buy food. So when the impulses are gone, so is your livelihood and your means of existence. And your expenditures through electronic surveillance would be very closely watched. Let's say you spend a little bit more money than normal at the supermarket. And all of a sudden, someone comes up to you and says, How come you're spending all this money on food? What are you doing with all this food? You don't look fat. You don't have that many people to feed in your house. We know you're not entertaining. What are you doing with all the food? And God forbid you reply, well, I have seven people in my basement who object to the New World Order, and I'm feeding them. (laughs) Then you would be told they don't belong there, and you can't feed them. And since you are sympathetic to them, maybe your allegiance isn't very trustworthy either. Look what happened in China when they wanted to enforce the one-child family concept. All education for the second child was cut off, and the food rations were cut. And if someone found a way around that, the government instituted compulsory abortions and compulsory plugging in of IUDs. Here in the U.S. of A., we have Planned Parenthood, which espouses freedom of choice. Really? One of the medical directors of Planned Parenthood, the guy's name is Dr. Alan Guttmacher, said, well, if people limit their families and do what we say, fine. But if we need compulsory population control, we are going to have it. Then the New World Order is not supportive of homeless people living in boxes on the street. 
So in keeping with the actions of the Nazis and the communists, people came in the middle of the night, and by morning, all those people were gone. Where'd they go? Don't ask. I mean, after all, if a person lives in a box, he's littering. So a truck comes along at night, removes the litter. And if you ask questions, you draw attention to yourself, so you mind your own business, and you step over the starving guy on the street who didn't play ball. <clears throat> Years ago, I was visiting uh, a friend of mine that I went to high school with who lived in a retirement community in New Jersey. And I noticed that the exit was convoluted and not simple. So here's this little retirement community with one exit and entrance. No young people and a half to get out of. Why? Could it be to minimize the time someone leaves so they stay home longer? So for all of you guys that are hearing this, make sure that your kids see their grandparents frequently, no matter how much that entails. If you see someone infrequently, you forget they exist. And if you forget they exist, you lose love. And when that happens, then you tell your your child that his or her grandpa or grandma died, the last thing you want to hear is, who? So back in the late 30s and the early 40s, when manure was a fertilizer and the soil being rich in sulfur, people were kept healthy. Then the Rockefellers, under the guise of enabling the farmer to plant more crops and less time shoveling shit, switched to the petrochemical fertilizer, which killed the sulfur in the soil worldwide, which created abounding illnesses. You understand? Take things away that keep you healthy, make people sick. You can control them. You want to screw the government? Start taking organic sulfur. Start reversing all your degenerative diseases. So then the food companies got involved. And they figured out if they could extend shelf life, they could make more profit. Just open the door to synthetic chemicals being added to your food. Then the pharmaceutical industries paid for more advertising, and the mainstream media began running more drug ads in the newspapers and on TV. And in the 40s and the 50s, this was unheard of. Then, enter the scum of the world, the biotech industry, supplying us with heavily pesticided and insecticided sprayed foods, telling us they are safe. You guys remember the Vietnam War? Remember they used Agent Orange, which left enormous amounts of people dealing with illnesses and little kids born with birth defects for the rest of their lives? Yet Monsanto says the cornfields in the U.S. being sprayed with 2,4-D, the active ingredient of Agent Orange, is safe to eat. You can't get it on your skin, but to eat it, hey, no problem. And back in the 50s, fluoride used to be disposed of in lead-lined drums as a toxic waste product to the tune of millions of dollars a year. But that was easily fixed. It was this public relations campaign that was undertaken, and now it's dumped into the water supply as a dental cavity panacea 
and those polluters rake in millions of dollars a year. So let me give you some interesting facts about fluoride. New York City and Boston, okay, they've been fluoridated since the 60s, and they experienced a dental cavity rate four times higher than the national average. How come no one spends time teaching people how to brush and floss their teeth or how the ingestion of sugar leads to cavities? In the year 2000, Hawaii's dental chief, Mark Greer, said on Hawaii Public Radio that the toxicology test proved that fluoride was safe and effective. There was only one problem with that statement, that the only independent toxicology report on fluoride was done by the National Research Council in 2007. That's seven years later after he said his crappy statement, and they found that fluoride in excess of 0.8 parts per million was extremely detrimental to one's health. But if you look at what's going on today in the water supplies in the city and people ingesting foods from all over the place sprayed with fluoridated water, people are getting eight parts per million on a daily basis, which is what, a million times higher than 0.8 parts per million or a thousand times higher? So in 2003, and I said this once before, we had this fluoride hearing in Hawaii, and I followed Greer in testimony, and no one knew who I was. And I, I got up and I said that Dr. Greer was very multifaceted and that he missed his calling. He should have been president of the Liars Club. And then I said, look, I, I just call our general chief a liar in front of at least 300 people, and I opened up a defamation of character lawsuit. Then I asked if there was a lawyer in the house, and if there was, I begged him to take the case because when we went to trial, Dr. Greer would have to present the toxicology report he referred to, which does not exist. So here we are, you know, 12 years later, and except for the military bases, there ain't no fluoride in Hawaii's water supply, and there's never been a lawsuit. So all the things that Dr. Day spoke about get implemented little by little. But we have three things we have no control over and three things we have control over. We have no control over getting old. We have no control over dying. And we have no control over karma. What we have control over is being healthy, being fit, and actually having a relationship with God. To be healthy, we should adhere to a plant-based, centered diet, around organics, and avoiding GMOs at all costs. So if you buy a product and it has soy or corn or cotton products in it, and it doesn't say organic or non-GMO, give her a miss, mate. Pass. Also, plant-based foods leave the body in two to four days. Flesh-based foods leave the body in four to seven days. So my question is, if flesh foods stay in the body up to seven days, where do all the poisons go? And if the poisons just keep going through your body, how come you suffer degenerative disease? 
you think one thing relates to the other. So if you are eating a plant-based diet, not centered around organics, you will need to detoxify your system. You got three options, chlorella, spirulina, or organic sulfur crystals, which I talk about endlessly. But the point is, you have to take responsibility for yourself and get out from under your doctor's grip with toxic synthetic chemicals. To get fit, if you look in the mirror, you're going to see two long things below your waist. They are called legs. If you put one in front of the other, believe it or not, it's called walking. And this is the simplest form of exercise. Do it an hour a day, keep the doctor away. Now, connecting with God is very easy. In Psalms and the Bible, it constantly tells us that his names will save us. He has millions of names, and they all refer to aspects of his, aspects of his personality. For example, Jehovah means the Almighty One. Eloi or Eloheinu means the dear friend. Krishna means the all-attractive person. Allah means the compassion, the all-compassionate one. Gopala, protector of the cows. Govinda, one that pleases the senses. Abba, the eternal father. So you find the name of his that you like, and you talk to him. He's in your heart. He'll know if you're serious. And he'll be there for you and with you and help you. Now, my ending theme song that I really got hooked on is George Harrison singing My Sweet Lord. <clears throat> when I first heard that, I said, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard of in my life. Why? Why? What, what's going on? So I, I remember at the end he was chanting this mantra. It's called the Hare Krishna Mantra. Uh, and I used to see all these guys that were selling flowers on the street in Honolulu and they're wearing robes and they got weird haircuts and they, it's like they're bald with ponytails. I'm saying, what the hell? So I did a little research and I found out the meaning of the words in the Hare Krishna mantra. Hare, H-A-R-E. Hare means the energy of the Lord. Krishna is God the all-attractive person. And Rama means one who gives pleasure to one trying to serve him. So the literal translation of the Hare Krishna mantra is, O Lord, O energy of the Lord, please engage me in your loving service. So that mantra, if you do it, Mentally, if you do it silently, if you do it just a little bit so you can hear it and no one can hear it, if you play a guitar or whatever and you want to do it to music, basically what you're doing is you're asking God, you're asking Krishna if you can have some sort of a relationship with him. So, how would you start to have a relationship with God? Okay. 
in the Bible, in Genesis, God says that he's given us all plant-based foods and seeds and herbs, and that should be our food. Okay, he doesn't say, give me a hamburger. He doesn't say, you know, give me a Taco Bell. He just says plant-based foods. So when you prepare your food, no matter what it is, offer all the plant-based foods to him. Find the name that you like best. Relate to him any way you can. If you chant that Hare Krishna mantra, listen, when I go off the air, you can listen to George Harrison. It's really sweet. But the mantra is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Lord, please let me come to know you and love you. So you make your meal, you have all your turkey and your chicken and whatever, but you also have vegetables and you have potatoes. They'll accept the potatoes. They'll accept the vegetables. They'll accept the fruits. That is, they'll even accept a glass of water and a little flour. This is how you start to make a relationship with your eternal father. So, what do we do? How do we get healthy? What can we do to reverse what has happened to us by people who deliberately wanted it to happen to us? Well, first and foremost, like I said, the organic sulfur crystals. If I didn't lose my lifelong asthma in three days, which hasn't come back in eight years, I would not be talking about this product. There are reversals of autism, and pretty soon I'm going to have a guest on my Hawaii show that has proven links between glyphosate, the active ingredient, and Monsanto's Roundup, and autism. And Dr. Stephanie Senep, just who this person is, she's a, a double or a triple PhD at MIT, um, she has done reports on sulfur deficiency. If you want to learn about this, go on your computer and go Dr. Seneff's report on sulfur. And you will find that the lack of this creates just about everything imaginable. Obesity, um, um, migraine headaches, joint pain. It's not only that, but it detoxes you. Okay, that's number one, organic sulfur crystal. Number two, if you go to my website, which is healthtalkhawaii.com, you can read about the sulfur. You can read about a product called Zeal, which is superfoods, 30 superfoods. Recently, I went to visit my son in Florida, and he takes this product called Shakeology. And I said, what, what is this? He says, well, uh, it's a vegan chocolate. I said, really? And I'm a chocolate freak. I love dark chocolate. And this is dark chocolate. And it doesn't have whey protein in it. So it's, it's vegan. And what I did was I, I, I took a packet and I put it in my smoothie. And my smoothie had apple juice frozen strawberries, frozen blueberries, a fresh banana, some frozen mangoes, 
and I blended it all up. I'll tell you, man, this stuff was amazing. So I said, John, how do I get this stuff? So he told me, and you can learn more about it if you want to read about it, whatever. You go to www.beachbodycoach.com forward slash Hesh Goldstein. www.beachbodycoach.com forward slash Hesh Goldstein. So every morning, every morning I wake up, the first thing I have is a teaspoon of sulfur. At night, I take another teaspoon of sulfur because the sulfur leaves the body in 12 hours. After I take my sulfur in the morning, <clears throat> after I chew it, after I ingest it, I then take a scoop of zeal, and I still put that in a little jar. I put in about four ounces of water, five ounces of water, shake that up, and I drink that. Now I got 30 superfoods. The Shakeology has 42 superfoods. So now I put that in a blender. I add my fruits. I add some apple juice or I add some almond milk or whatever and blend that up. And now I've got 72 superfoods going through my body that are building and strengthening my immune system. How hard is this to do a simple thing like this on a daily basis? I go to a doctor once every two years for a physical. I want to know what's going on in my body. I want to know how my blood pressure is. For years, my blood pressure has always been like 118 to 120 over 70. It never changes, no matter what. It never changes. And he looks at me and he says, I wish everybody had the same blood pressure. I said, okay, cool. My cholesterol level is always under 200. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 76 in March. I'm in two softball leagues. I race walk. I do weight training. I do cardio. I swim. I hike. I teach women self-defense classes. I don't have any illnesses. I don't take any meds. And I'm not doing anything spectacular. All I do is follow my morning program. Now, the Shakeology thing, which I found, is very important. It takes the place of one meal. So if I have that in the morning with my smoothie, that is my meal. But what I found to be incredible is that I can then go until at least, okay, I'm up early in the morning. Seven o'clock, I start my stuff. I get done walking the dogs. It's now between 7 and 7.30. I do my sulfur. I do my zeal. I do my shakeology smoothie. Then I go, I leave for the ball field at 8 o'clock. I go down and I stretch. We play softball. We play nine innings. We start roughly between 9.30 and 9.45. We're done about 11.30 or whatever it is. Okay. Am I hungry at 11.30? No, I'm not hungry. So then I come home. I take a shower. I change. I do my errands. I go to the post office, whatever. 
I finally get home between 12 and 1. Am I hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Then all of a sudden at around 2 o'clock, I start feeling a little hungry. Between 7.30 and 2 o'clock to not be hungry? And that's only because of the Shakeology and the zeal. And it's, it's, it's just amazing. Now, what do I do for lunch? Do I load up? Do I just ravish? No. I'll take some veggies. I'll put them in a, in a steamer basket. And I personally like cauliflower and broccoli and asparagus and Brussels sprouts. And I'll steam some of those up. <clears throat> and I'll put them in my dish. Then I'll add a little bit of hummus that I make myself. I'll add a little bit of salsa. And I'll stir that around. And if I have some fresh avocado, I'll put fresh avocado in there. And I'm good. That's my lunch. Now comes dinner. Come 6 o'clock, 6.30. I'm not hungry. But I know i got to eat something. So either I do or I don't. If I get to 7 o'clock, I will not eat. Because the last thing you want to do is eat right before you go to bed. Because when you go to bed, you want to relax. And you relax and you go to sleep. But your body is working because it's digesting food. So I make a point that if I'm going to eat something, I'll eat no later than 6 o'clock. What am I going to eat? I'm not really hungry, but I don't know I'm going to be hungry, and I know when I get hungry, I don't want to eat. So I'll just, I, I take some Ezekiel cinnamon raisin bread and toast it up, and I'll put a little bit of coconut butter on it, and I'll put a little bit of um, nutritional yeast on it, and I'll spread some salsa on it and a little avocado, and I'll put some um, um, uh, hummus on it, and I'll maybe put a couple of slices of tomato and some um, green leafies, whatever, and I'll have this little sandwich, and I'm good to go. And recently, I went from 196 or 197 pounds down to the roughly 182. So I lost 15 pounds in a matter of weeks. And it's been months, and now I'm just, I'm always between 182 and 185. And I, I, I do what I can. The last thing I want to do is go to a doctor. Because the only thing the guy's going to do for me is give me drugs. I don't want drugs. I don't want to put synthetics in my body. And even if I put the synthetics in my body, the fact that I'm doing the sulfur twice a day is going to take away. The, the toxic toxicity from the synthetic chemical, but I don't need that. My funniest thing about synthetic is Viagra. I love it. You know, they talk about how you need to have a heart on, you know, because you're getting older and you can't get it up anymore and your wife is begging for it. Come on, she's not begging for it. She's begging to go to the mall to, to look in stores. Give me a break. So anyway, they says, but don't worry, you know, because you'll have an erection that'll last, you know, <laughs> like three months. Well, maybe that's how long it takes your wife before she gets the desire to want to do anything, but I don't know that. So anyway, so can you imagine you got this erection for, for 30 hours? <laughs> hey, all I can tell you is if that ever happens, 
do not go on a crowded bus or a crowded subway or walk in a crowd. Trust me. Trust me. They will call the cops on you so quick. If you bump into somebody, it will be ridiculous. But who needs it? If you're not curtailing your immune system, you ain't going to have a problem getting it up, okay? I'm being blunt here. If you curtail your immune system, what does it do? Flesh foods clog the arteries. If the arteries get clogged to the brain, you get a stroke. If the arteries get clogged to the heart, you get a heart attack. If the arteries get clogged south of the border, you get Viagra. Who needs it? How hard is it? to change what you eat and keep it simple and keep it the way it's supposed to be. And then when you offer that to Jehovah or Eloi or Krishna or however else, whatever name you want, depending on his personality, then you're also developing a relationship and you have faith because when you turn to him, he will welcome you with open arms. And you will see things changing in your life that you never believed. You will become calm. You will become more reserved. You will not be so anxious. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's just unbelievable. So in the weeks to come, and hopefully years to come, I'm going to give you information about health that you may not know about. I'm not your typical guy that's very conservative and very calm. No, I, I, I take a walk on the wild side because I believe that in order to get someone's attention, you need to get their attention. And if, you can, if you're going to be radical about it, but you can at least be sarcastic and humorous about it, people will enjoy it more, and this is my style. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's the way I am. I just, when you grow up in Newark, you know, you, you become a guy like that. Everybody was cracking wise. Everybody in high school cracks wise. And you get together and you crack wise against other guys. And then they get together and they crack wise against you. And it becomes part of your life. But the point is, I found <clears throat> through my, my incident with Dr. Greer and fluoride, no matter how weird you sound, no matter how sarcastic you are, no matter what you do, if you tell the truth, there's nothing they can do about it because they have nothing to refute. And this is what I do. So I am not telling you things to get rich. I am telling you things for you to get rich with your health. And first and foremost, is organic sulfur crystal. And like I said, you can read more about it if you go to healthtalkhawaii.com and click up on products. You can read about the organic sulfur crystals. You can read about the zeal. You can't read about the um, Shakeology because I haven't put it there yet. But like I said, to learn more about Shakeology, you go to www.beach. B-E-A-C-H, body, B-O-D-Y, coach, 
T-O-A-C-H dot com forward slash Esh Goldstein. And read about it. Just see what it does. See what all these superfoods do. Right now, everyone's in a suffering condition. Somebody takes pills. Somebody gets injections. That's because you have a compromised immune system. First and foremost, you need to build and strengthen your immune system. Flesh-based foods tear down your immune system because they are all loaded with synthetic chemicals. Not only that, but every animal that is designated for slaughter is fed genetically modified feed. Seriously, it's a reality. You don't believe me? Go look it up. All the corn, all the soy, whatever they eat is genetically modified. Who do you think? Why do you think Monsanto's pushing it on the people? Because they want to get it to you directly, plus they want to give it to you through the animals you eat. And the animals you eat, they clog up your body. They clog up your your arteries. They, they put damages on your immune system. Why, why would you want that? Just because your tongue is out of control? Just because your tongue has been ingrained to accept a certain way and to accept a certain taste? This, this is what you think is normal? Look, I was born in Newark. My family, if it had a face for your mother, we ate it in every meal, except maybe for breakfast when I had Wheaties, the breakfast of champions. I was such a sick kid. They don't tell you that you become sickly when you eat all that crap. Allergies like you could not believe. Asthma since I was vaccinated. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And then one day, some lady I'm living with says, why don't we become vegetarian? And I took a walk on the wild side, and I never looked back, and my body has never been healthier. I did that when I was 36 years old. I'm going to be 76 in March. I wish, you know, that if I ever have to come back again, that at least let me be born in a vegetarian family or a family that has some kind of connection with God so I can continue my progress. But this is what I see. This is how I believe. This is, I mean, you might think I'm full of crap. I can understand that. You never heard this stuff before. But when you hear George Harrison sing My Sweet Lord, which was one of the best songs that I've ever heard in my life and why I use it as my ending theme. Talk about the devil. Why I use it as my ending theme song. Lock in. You don't have a problem if you lock in. Understand what he's singing about. He's trying to connect with Krishna. That's all he's trying to do. And by connecting with Krishna, he's chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. Very simple. The guy, did George Harrison ever look like a Hare Krishna? Did he ever become a culty? Did he ever become weird and go bald with a ponytail and wear robes and walk down the street and say, do you want to buy a flower? Give me a break. Anyway, guys, I'll let Georgie Poo do his thing. And I wish you all a very healthy and a happy new year. And uh, 
God willing, uh, I'll catch you all next Thursday. Aloha. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. 
all our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is January 1st, 2015. All right, I got it right. I wonder uh, how many more times I'll get it right before I mess up and say 2014. Oh, well, I got it right that time, so we're... One for one on this. Anyway. Okay, let's see. Go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can find everything you need to know about this network there. Plus, you can participate in the show or just chat with the other folks in the chat room. Uh, There are a few people in there out with them, or you can just, uh, you know, see what they're saying, uh, be alert. Anyway, 
That's all on the website, along with the archives and the store. Okay. Oh, those of you out there, that was the new theme song, at least for a while. My theme song at the beginning of the show every once in a while. And uh, that's that one. New one, the one for the new year. Uh, hang on, folks. I've got a little problem over here. I'm going to play an ad, and I'll be right back. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five-and-a-half-hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a a five-and-a-half-hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a a three-and-a-half-hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a a three-and-a-half-hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the Premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. We'll be much better now. Anyway, so uh, it's 2015. Let's get to it. Budget war looms. That's what they're saying. Oh, boy. A budget? Like they got a budget? They don't have a budget. They just spend money. Oh, we need more money. Uh, Let's get a trillion dollars. 
you know, they just signed a trillion-dollar deal, and, and they're going to have a budget war? They can't run the government on a trillion dollars? You know, the big talk is Jeb Bush is going to run for office. You know what, folks? If if you allow this, by buying into anything Jeb Bush has to say, well, you deserve whatever catastrophe that will bring, and it will bring catastrophe. He's been busy resigning from all the big corporate boards. Oh, yeah. Jeb Bush has been on all kinds of boards all over the place, raising and making as much money as he possibly can. What they do, okay, they go into political office, they make all these business contacts. Well, first they go into business because they're a Bush. They've got the Bush name. They make all these business contacts to give them money to run for office. So then they get into high offices, and they make all these other contacts and do all these favors for their friends, regulations and such. And then they leave office, and they get on all these boards with big paychecks, even though they know nothing and they do nothing. They just get paid because, well, they were governor, they were president, they were whatever, and, uh, you know, these people owe you now. So they put you on the board, you do nothing, you pull in a huge check every month from all these different kinds of boards of directors. Now he's going to run for president, so, ooh, we better get off all these boards. Well, we're going to know what board you are on, Jeb. It's not going to go away in a year. That's what he's hoping is that, well, oh, yes, but I got off that board a year. Uh, yeah, right. Like, So you're telling me because you got off all these boards, you no longer go to the same cocktail parties with the same people you used to sit on all these boards with? Baloney. And as far as governors go, uh I got bad news for you folks. Your governor of your state, there may be one, there may be two, I doubt it, but there may be, that actually care about your state. The rest of them, that's not what they're there for. Why do you think they have these governor conferences? What do you think they do there? Okay, in business that's called networking. They don't do any. There is no state business to be done at a governor's conference. What they do is they network with their pals because they all know there's going to come a time when they're not governors anymore, when they're going to be in the private sector. So they contact, they connect with all these other governors, and then when they get out, they all do business together. It's a dirty It's really, really dirty, and this is why corporate America runs America, runs the government, why every one of your politicians is a bought and paid for prostitute for the corporate. corporate. They're the ones running it. Politicians are nothing but straw men. It's uh, quite a sad deal. 
the only way to fix it, well, maybe not the only way, but one of the only peaceful ways to fix it is to take the money out of these campaigns. And they just keep piling more money into it. The Supreme Court rules that, oh, no, corporate donations uh, to uh, campaigns is like free speech. And Congress, in their last little trillion dollar, uh, oh, we got to spend a trillion dollars, rose the personal money that can be given to a candidate ten times. Wow. What costs so much money? I'll tell you what. Television. That's what costs so much money. Why do you think the news agencies you really think news makes any money on, on TV? You really think so? You think they pull in any money? You think all that little advertising money that they get from that comes with no cost? They don't want anything in return. Oh, just run our ads. Yeah, sure it does. And every two years, the television industry gets a windfall from political campaigns buying television ads. What if that didn't happen? Do you think the networks would stay in business? Sure they would, but all their big stars would have to make a little less money for telling lies all day long. This is why they are so compliant. This is why they'll do whatever the government tells them to do and say. Because they owe their existence to the government. If they start running real shows about real issues and telling the truth, oh, you'll see the advertisers saying, well, we don't like this guy on it. We're going to pull all our advertising. It's just like these corporations. Now, why are why is corporate America promoting the homo agenda? But they are because if any network out there starts doing stories about well, you know, homos live 20 years less than everybody else. Here's a list of all the diseases your typical, not all, but your typical homo gets. Yeah, and you're teaching your kids this is a lifestyle? Why don't you teach them, uh, you know, being a junkie as a lifestyle? They have less health problems. But they don't. So you wonder why. Why? Why are they pushing this? Why is corporate America pushing that? I don't know why, to tell you the truth. Possessed by Satan? I don't I, I have no explanation. I don't I don't understand how that could be good for anybody. But hey, you know, that's what they're doing. Get on there. Why don't we hear about aspartame? How come Fox News isn't out there telling us all how dangerous aspartame is? And all these other artificial sweeteners. How come we're not hearing about how dangerous GMOs can be? How come we're not hearing about how many deaths the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry are causing every single year? How come we're not hearing anything about that on CNN and Fox News and whatever network. Why? Because if they did, Monsanto would say, oh, running things like this, we're going to have to pull our advertising, and we may even sue you. Uh, 
uh, and the pharmaceuticals would do exactly the same thing. Well, if you're going to start bad-mouthing our product, well, we're going to pull our advertising. So the networks keep their mouths shut and just keep pushing the poison, pushing the lies, and cashing the checks. The same thing that your politicians are doing. Welcome to the new year. Nothing's changed. The new boss is the same as the old boss. How much different is your life now that Obama's president than it was when George Bush was president? Oh, you might say, well, it's gotten worse, and maybe it has. It has for most. But you've got to understand, people could say the same thing from Clinton to Bush. Well, how has your life changed since, you know, George the Bush got in there after Clinton? Well, my life got worse. Well, and it probably did if you're in the 95%. Folks, every president, our lives have gotten worse. Why? I mean, we've gone from Democrat to Republican to Republican to Democrat, back and forth, back and forth. And one thing doesn't change. Everything keeps getting worse for the majority of the people. You think that's by accident? You think it's by incompetence? It's not. It's by design. See, this is the real piss-off, folks. This is, you know, I mean, if they were just stupid, we could say, oh, well, you know... This is bad and all that, but yeah, well, you know, what can you do? They're just stupid. You might be able to excuse just stupid. Not just stupid. Okay? They're not just stupid. They're evil. They're doing this on purpose. Everything that's happening is happening on purpose. Then you got somebody like this. Now, a lot of people like this guy. Ben Carson, right? A lot of people like Ben Carson. I never really had anything against Ben Carson except till now. Ben Carson, a Tea Party favorite and potential 2016 presidential candidate, has surprised pundits by praising President Obama. Now, that in itself, if Obama ever did anything good, fine, praise him. But he praised him for his response to the cyber attack targeting Sony Pictures. He was proud of the president for taking a tough stand on the issue. Carson said... It was extremely encouraging to see the United States and Sony eventually cyberbullying of North Koreans by allowing the movie The Interview to be released in theaters around the Okay. Is Ben Carson stupid? Oh, really? I'm asking. Is Ben Carson stupid? Is he ignorant? Because he's out there pushing the FBI lie that it was North Korea that did this. North Korea didn't do this, folks. Every cyber expert out there really, really doubts North Korea did this. 
what the FBI says. They stand by what they said. So, ooh, Ben Carson's pushing that. Uh, okay. This is a retired neurosurgeon. So, I got to think he's not stupid, okay? Which I hope he's not stupid. Maybe that's why he retired. Maybe he started getting stupid or something. I I don't know, but I've got to figure he's not stupid. So why would you be pushing an obvious lie? Why? To look reasonable? Oh, let's praise the the president. Oh, yeah, let's praise the president for overseeing uh, administration that lies. So, you know what? Ben Carson just lost any credibility he might have had with me because either he's too stupid to be in politics or he's a liar. Yep, Jeb Bush, here we go, quit his $60,000 a year position as advisor to an online education company. Yeah, let's not forget Jeb Bush pushes Common Core. And his office confirmed late Wednesday that he had stepped down from all of his corporate and business posts effective today. So what? So all that goes away? Oh, I don't like them anymore. I don't talk to them anymore. I don't go to the country club anymore. I don't go to the cocktail parties with them anymore. I don't take their phone calls anymore. I don't let them come into my office anymore. Uh Uh-huh, sure you don't. Anyway. Oh, let's see here. Fazio in New York City has a real problem. Because this mayor in New York, he just, uh, you know, he just, he's going to lose the support of the police. And if you, you're the mayor and you lose the support of the police, uh, you've got a real problem. New York police union spokesmen are calling Mayor Bill de Blasio's decision to reappoint a Brooklyn judge who freed two men arrested for threatening police officers just days after the murders. Uh, You know, the cop, this is just, on one hand, I've got to support de Blasio. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, he, this is his police force, man. Now, the thing is, see, these guys should have been arrested. This was a bogus arrest in the first place, and the cops are overreacting, and they're a bunch of Nazis. This guy was arrested for allegedly making terroristic threats by posting on Facebook, on Facebook, a photo of a gunman firing into a New York Police Department cruiser in the hours after officers uh, Ramos and Weijan Lu. Get this. Rafael Ramos and Wei Jen Liu. These are two police officers. Uh huh. 
So let's see what one is a member of the triad, one's a member of the Mexican uh, drug cartels. Is that it? Is that why they got shot because of a drug deal gone bad? Hmm. He also wrote the phrase "73 next," referring to 73rd the 73rd precinct that covers his neighborhood. You know, uh, his his uh, see this is this is the kind of a he said in court that his uh, his client was being a knucklehead, not a terrorist. Now what? The cops might not like it. Too bad. You know what? You've been beating people to death on the streets for too many years now. And, hey, time has come today, boys. You better straighten up and fly right or you're going to be the target. You're not going to be. See, the bully's going to get his nose broken now. I'm sorry. You know, I just... I'm not for thugs, whether they're gangs or whether they're the police gang. Leave people alone. Unless you see them stealing something or hurting someone, leave people alone. Not going to do that. Don't expect the people to leave. If you're going to march into people's houses, kick in their doors, and throw grenades on their children and kill them, don't expect to be going home to your children. Why would you? After acting like that, what do you expect when you turn around and treat the American people as though you're an occupying army and they're the enemy? How do you expect them to react? I'm surprised people haven't taken on this whole uh, kill a cop attitude. Long before now, you brought it on yourself. You want a war with the American people? You keep it up and you're going to get it. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be annihilated. Because I don't know if you've noticed, you are vastly outnumbered and you are surrounded. You know, and and you started this war against the American people. So, you know, now that it's going to go against you, don't don't start your whining and your crying. And you know what? It's not really the cop on the beat. Oh, yeah, I mean, he might hold people down and choke them to death and kill them and shoot them and all those things. But the thing is, it's, you know, yes, you've got to take responsibility for yourself, but there's a bigger picture here, folks. There's the fact that these people were deliberately hired because they have low IQs. They're not that bright. And then you add not that bright with training techniques that trains them that manipulates their minds, that brainwashes them into thinking it's us against them. Unless you're a cop, then you're the enemy. And when you're trained to be an occupying force rather than a peace officer, 
So then they talk them out on the street, and here you go. You've had all this training in military tactics. You've had all this brainwashing that the American people are your enemy. How exactly do you expect them to act? Why is it a surprise? The problem is the people at the top. The people at the top in charge of training these people. They're the ones to blame. They're the ones you need to do a little research and find out who came up with the training for the local police department. And I'll tell you who. I'll give you a hint. Let me help you. It's the FBI. Right. That's who came up with it. That's who did it. Now, your local chief, your local sheriff, if they bought into this and accepted this as a training program and sent their officers off to FBI training school, then they're to blame also. You can't expect these low IQ employees to do anything other than what they're trained to do. This is the problem. It's not the toys. It's not the tanks. It's not the machine guns. It's the training. You know, what's the difference if a cop is walking down the street with a Glock pistol in his hand or a machine gun if he's properly trained? Anyway, we're going to take a break a little late.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply.
Now they have said, we're changing the whole idea of that. Once you deposit your money in the bank, it's now the bank's capital to do with as they please. You basically just gave them your money, and they'll dole out whatever they feel they feel like doing. But if they get in a situation where they need more money, they're going to take your money and tell you, well, I'm sorry. You might have $1,000 in the bank, uh, but I'll tell you what, you can have 100 of it because we use the rest. For us, because, well, we made some bad bets and uh, they went south and, uh, well, we needed money and, you know, I've got this million-dollar salary that needs paid for, and so screw you, we are taking your deposits. They are now our capital, and it's not theft even because the United States Congress and the G20 have decided that, deposits are our capital and we can use our capital any way we please so it's not really stealing anymore because well they legalized it that's like saying well you know uh like here in oregon well they legalized pot so uh you're not really getting high anymore what see just because they legalized it doesn't mean you're not getting high anymore you're still getting high it's just legal now just like these guys with the money. Oh, they're stealing it. It's just legal now. Folks, you know, you better not put anything in the bank that you cannot afford to lose. I'm serious. If you've got any kind of thing you call savings, you better get it out of the bank, meaning you better get it out of paper. Because don't think that just Oh, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll go down to the bank and I'll, I'll withdraw all my money. I'll go down to my IRA. I'll go down to my pension. I'll go down to all that, and I'll just say, uh, give me a cashier's check. And then I'll cash that, and I'll have lots of dollar bills. I'll stuff them in my, my mattress. Well, you know what? That's better than keeping it in the bank, but you're not protecting your wealth. Let me tell you what's going to happen. One day they're just going to say, oh, wait, and this isn't a fantasy or a dream or my idea of what could. This is something that already happened and happened very recently. You remember the euro, don't you? Well, let's just say you're in Germany, and you've got a Deutschmark. You've been using this money as Deutschmark forever, and then one day the government tells you, "Uh, hey, guess what? You got 30 days. That's right. You've got 30 days to come in here and turn in your Deutschmark. And we're going to give you this new thing called the Euro. And this new thing called the Euro, well, um, we're going to give you 0.75 of a Euro for every Deutschmark. Because it's really worth a lot more. Oh, sure it is except that's not what it turned out to be for Germans at the stores. They got screwed. And there's nothing keeping the United States government from saying, okay, well, I'll tell you what, uh, you got 30 days to pass in all your uh, Federal Reserve notes because we've got a new Federal Reserve note for you. 
but you're going to have to bring in two Federal Reserve notes for one of the new Federal Reserve notes, or three, or four, or five, whatever they decide, folks. So you see, or you could just keep it in your mattress, and they could crank up inflation again. And now, while it's sitting in your mattress, it's losing value. Now, a lot of you out there will say, well, yeah, but gold and silver, huh, you know, that's lost value. Actually, no, it, it really hasn't lost value. So I went online and I found out that, you know, I was just curious because I, I keep hearing this uh, thing that, uh, well, I, mean, I don't know if he originated, but Griffin, Griffin uh, says about how, well, you know, back in Rome, for one ounce of gold, you could get yourself a, you know, big toga belt. You know, and you could get yourself a a nice dress, whatever they wore, right, for one ounce of gold, and as you can today. And I've heard that so many times, and I've never really looked it up, so I did. I went online, and I, I figured, okay, well, nice means, you know, nice. It doesn't mean some discount crap suit. So I went to Arm, Ar- Armani's website. And sure enough, you know, you can get a nice Armani Pants, coat, vest, tie, and shirt, the whole ensemble, for about 1100 and something dollars. You know, between eleven and $1,300, they had different, different suits. Now, I'm sure if I'm, you know, if I want one custom made, it's going to cost a lot more, but this is a good, you know, Armani is considered a decent suit. And gold is around 1200 bucks an ounce. So you know what? For one ounce of gold, you could go still buy that. So the value hasn't really fluctuated that much. Oh, sure, it does some, but very little. Now, gold could skyrocket to 3000 or $5,000, but does that mean you're going to actually be able to buy more with $5,000 than you can with $1,200? No, it doesn't. It might right away. You get what I'm saying? If gold just spikes, there's going to be a little catch-up time there to where you may really be able to you know, cash in on, on getting a lot more stuff for your money right away. But eventually, it's going to stabilize to where well, yeah, okay, gold might be $3,000 an ounce, but you really can't buy any more than you could for $1,200. But do you see where you're keeping your value? People who had $1,200 in cash are now going to have, let's say, the value of $600. They're going to have the buying power of $600. You... Gold goes up to $3,000, you're still going to retain the buying power of 1200 You didn't lose anything. That's the, that's the thing. You see, if you can get out of your head 
profit, profit, profit. I gotta make a, I gotta make a gain. I gotta make a profit. I gotta make a gain. I gotta make a profit. And get that out of your head. Get the greed out of your head, and start thinking. You know what? I just don't want to lose anything. I want to keep what I've got. I don't want people able to steal my money, my labor, because that's what that money represents, folks, is your labor. You know, and that's that's where I, I come into a little disagreement with some people about, you know, the Federal Reserve notes where, well, you know, you're not really paying for anything. You're not really doing – you know what? I can trade with somebody – whatever we agree to, okay? And if you agree to sell me your car for a worthless piece of paper, and I agree to give you a worthless piece of paper for your car, then we've got a deal, and I did pay for it. You know why? Because that worthless piece, we have a contract. You agreed. I didn't steal the car from you. You agreed. Yeah, I'll take that. If I if you agree to take a stone I picked up off my 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 land. Let's say the stone is called a diamond. It's just a rock. But you've decided that you want those rocks. So you'll take those rocks for a car. We have a deal. You've been paid. I paid you. This business about, well, you don't really pay for anything, that might stand for the government. But it doesn't stand between personal people. You can make a contract. You make an agreement. Now, the whole idea, what if I don't want that? Now, you see, if I'm a, uh, if I'm in business and I say, well, I don't want to be paid in that worthless slip of paper. I want you to pay me in gold. And the government says, uh, you can't make people pay in gold. Okay, now maybe if I'm forced to take that, now I haven't been paid, I've been robbed. I can get that. But if you agree, if you willfully do it, you've been paid. Because if you agree, then you got a deal. Anyway. Oh, look, I'm out of time. Well, anyway, uh, I'll be back uh, again tonight. Tonight, I'm got, I've got another story here about play the music. Specter of debtor's prison looms over America. We just can't didn't think it could happen in America. Well, it is happening, and I'll go through exactly how it's happening tonight. So stay tuned. we got a day, a full day coming up. Uh, I don't know who's live and who's not. You'll have to tune in to see. But coming up next is Financial Survival. As always, thanks for listening.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Down 0.95 at 
paper markets today. You have the um, uh, stocks are basically eh, flat, I guess. Oil fell to the five and a half year low. Uh, the Dow shed about 15 points at 18,038. The Nasdaq is up 0.05 at 4806. And little change on the S&P at 2,090. 10-year yield, 2.21%. So gold is still, yeah. They had the opportunity to whack it with all the light trading. And uh, um, as it continues through this week, uh, particularly with the dollar being over 90, and we're still looking at it at a reasonable price based on everything else. Uh, I mean, certainly we know as gold should be certainly higher, and of course we certainly know that they manipulate the prices and so forth, but I'm just talking about the level that we're looking at now with everything that's going on. It had a fairly strong week last week. It was several days it was trying to push up to uh, the open. Uh, but, uh, so it's been a nice day on Friday. Gold being up 18, so doing that bad, so we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the next few days play out of the year, and already you're beginning to see all sorts of predictions for 2015. I think I'll hold my predictions for, you know, until we get into 2015, um, then I'll make a few and just see what happens and, and um, what everybody else's predictions are. <laughs> That's what I do. I wait to see what other predictions are, but... One of them is about first-time home buyers for 2015, and they're looking to supposedly make some sort of a comeback. Millennials are expected to start looking to buy homes of their own. Really? And uh, they say they're going to find more favorable conditions. They're going to have lower down payment mortgages, looser lending standards, and a bigger selection of homes to choose for. Now, we know back in earlier December of this month, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they put up new lending guidelines. They can actually start, they started offering 3% down payment mortgages. So kind of ring a bell, Al, kind of like deja vu here all over, you know? Yeah, it reminds me probably of about a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Well, not quite that long, I guess, but uh, more or less. Um, when people began to have subprime mortgages. Lending to people once qualified to repay the debt. And, I don't know. It worked out really, really well. It's, uh, or maybe I'm not remembering correctly. Maybe it didn't. How about I think about it? Maybe it didn't work out all that well. No, I don't. I don't think it In did. In fact, the subprime mortgages were blamed for triggering the Great Recession of 2008. They were blamed as being the triggering mechanism when they started to go south. But here we are.
uh, they, they think that there will be much more homes to choose from, that uh, some of these builders are ramping up production to market these people, uh, smaller homes. And I think a smaller homes more for the older folks, for retirees than, than, than young people, because young people, they're going to get married and have kids and so forth, and they'll grow. And uh, But older folks, they're having a hard time finding smaller housing. Uh, they don't need to have. They want to downsize. And there's very little to uh, uh, meet their needs. But uh, these home buyers are looking to uh, service uh, these, these younger folks. Uh, and, of course, the... You know, the retirees aren't going to get that uh, 3% for first-time home buyers, And uh, they're looking at home prices to drop um, That they, uh, because of the supply will loosen up and take some pressure off the, the home prices. And a lot of the strength in, in the, the price of homes were due to, you know, the institutional investors that were buying up properties and prices. And we've talked about the, uh, those folks before. And... Uh, uh, even though mortgage rates will probably be moving higher, maybe, I doubt it, but maybe in 2015, um, that doesn't, uh, they don't think it's going to scare anybody away with higher rates. Uh, certainly they, you know, through the information, they talk about better jobs. You know, everybody's employed. And I'm thinking, well, how in the heck do they, are they able to, Yes, Al? You can't talk and fool around with the phone at the same time, can you? Well, how can you afford a housing payment when you're making, you know, minimum wage? Um, they're rhetorical questions, I assume. And the idea is that you can't. I don't know what they're figuring here, but you know what the deal was on subprime mortgages? The whole idea was if we can find any clown out there who will affix his name to a piece of paper, that piece of paper can be sold off to another financial institution, which can use it as collateral for loans at a rate of 9 to 1 or thereabouts, 10 to 1 of the face value of the loan. You get somebody who walks in the door, might not be able to spell his own name, mm-hmm. but if you can get him to sign his name on a mortgage, then they can sell the mortgage, and that's what they were doing. They were selling it sometimes the very same day, making a percent or whatever on the mortgage. They sell it to a third-party financial institution, which would sooner or later a financial institution grab hold that mortgage, and it would use it as collateral for making more loans. And because they could use, they could lend out 9 or $10 for every dollar they had in collateral, it was a deal. It was intended to stimulate the economy. That was the reason. House was irrelevant. The money was in the piece of paper with the signature on it. Because they could go out there and now if you could loan out ten dollars for every dollar on the face of the mortgage. If you charge ten percent interest, which you could back then, you could have a one hundred percent return on investment per year. We're only charging five percent interest because there were $10 for every $1 that you purchased when you bought the mortgage, you'd still get a 50% return on investment, right? If you loaned out 10, if you take out a mortgage for, to say, $100,000, you get to lend out a million dollars. If you can lend out a million dollars at 5%, you're going to come up with, what, 50000 
the fiat money monetary system, the fiat money system, is a racket. Somebody is going to be robbed every single time. I have a suspicion that when you put a system together that is based, and when I say a monetary system, an economy, right, that's based on fiat currency, it is ultimately based on theft. And a system based on theft just continue to survive and survive and survive and close the gate and everybody's going to be happy? We can't do without our creditors. Those are the people who've actually earned something, they've accumulated some money one way or another, and they have it available to them. People like that in order to build the next shopping center or to get credit from them ultimately that keeps your your food supplies coming into your community. You gotta have those creditors. We can't just destroy them with inflation. On the other hand, if we go to deflation and we start wiping out the borrowers, how's that gonna work out? What I'm trying to get and I you know, it's it's a running theme with me. There is something immoral, unethical, even criminal about a fiat monetary system. And it lies at the cornerstone of our modern economy. And not just the economy of the United States, the economy of most of the world. They're all running on these fiat monetary systems, and they're all based on stealing from somebody. Either the borrower gets robbed or the predator gets robbed, but somebody's got to get robbed to make the system run. I suspect that in the end, as people begin to understand that idea, or at least sense it, think, come out of here. Play this game anymore. I'm not going to borrow. I'm not going to lose. Just going to make do with what I have, and I'm going to try to save as much as I can for whatever opportunities and necessities might turn up in the future. But I'm going to stay away from this fiat currency. Now, I understand that not everyone is doing that. Not a majority of people are doing that. But I suspect that a small minority are doing that. I wonder how many people have to just sit back and say, this system is a racket. I'm not going to play this game and seek ways out. How many people in the system, how many people, 5%, 10%, 20%, how many people have to say, this is a Ponzi scheme? I'm not going to play. I'm going to get out of here. Sooner or later, this is going to crash. Sooner or later, it's going to collapse. It is immoral. It is unethical. It's probably criminal. I don't want to play that game. How many people have to bail out of the system before the system itself folds up like an accordion, you know, and everybody is left holding the bag? I don't know. I have no idea how many people have to bail. But people are bailing, right? Again, not a majority. Minority, tiny minority, maybe maybe a little bit more than a tiny minority. How far can it go? How far does it have to go? Don't know. Can't tell. Can't say. But I can say that there's something wrong. You know, you can't deal with this system and sit back and say that you're an honest man or an honest woman. We all have to. To the extent we go down and buy groceries and whatever, I get that. But still, there's a point in time where some people are going to sit back and say, 
have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here on Financial Survival with co-host Melody Cedarstrom. 
programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? We have some men's state 61 $20 Liberty Gold Pieces. They're only $100. Oh, well, not a coin, but they're only $100 over a bullion coin. A one-ounce gold eagle coin. Add $100 and you can up into a certified mint state $61 Liberty gold piece. They're selling for $1,351. So, and if you could go another $20, you can get a mint state $62 $20 Liberty gold piece. So they truly are the last deal of the year. So give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. If you purchase two of them, we'll include shipping costs for you. 1-800-375-4188. Make sure you visit our website, dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Now we got a, I got a comment in from Murray. He says, we just allow millions of fools to cross our southern border, no money down come and get it. Of course, that's in reference uh, to the, uh, we were talking about the housing market. And for the millennials. For the millennials. I say whether these were American millennials, millennials or Mexican <laughs> millennials. But it's probably distinguished that way. We'll call the Mexican millennials MM. But Reuters just released uh, the census put the U.S. population at 320.09 million, up 0.7% from a year ago. And um, uh, the figure represents an increase of about over 11 million people, or almost 4%, 3.67% since the last population count on April 1st of 2010. In January of next year, 2015, the U.S. is expected to experience a birth every eight seconds and one death every 12 seconds. Meanwhile, net International migration, <laughs> net international migration is expected to add one person to the U.S. population every 33 seconds. Well, I'd like to know how many of those people that are coming, the, the, the additional uh, members of our society, how many of them are being born here and how many of them are immigrating? Mm -hmm. It strikes me. I don't see that many pregnant women. No. Uh, I, I thought eight seconds was quite a bit. Pregnant, yeah. Many pregnant women, and it strikes me odd that we are going to increase by 7% or thereabouts. And yet, you know, there's a few around, but they're rare. I mean, it's like being a bird watcher or something, and I saw, you know, scarlet tangier or whatever they call them. Uh, ooh, ooh, I saw the... You know, the only pregnant women I see are movie stars anymore, <laughs> as they show uh, their little uh, belly bumps. Yeah. <laughs> They'll do anything. They'll even have a baby to get some publicity. Absolutely. So I found that kind of interesting. And, of course, the, the Census Bureau is projecting the world population at about 7.21 billion. And that's a 1% increase. Um from a year ago. Well, that's kind of interesting. That's real interesting that the, that the world rate of population increase is 1%. Mm -hmm. 
but the American rate of population increase is 7%. 07. Oh, 07. 07. I thought you said 7. No, 07. Never mind. But still. In any case, we got more people. One of those things, you can see this happening. World becoming overpopulated. This is not to say that we couldn't have more, maybe a lot more. But the way the system operates, it is becoming overpopulated. I saw one study, I don't have it here in front of me, I saw it a year ago, maybe more, indicated that you could put all the people on Earth into a single metropolis, not exactly even a metropolis, but a single community the size of the state of Texas, and we each have a home with, you know, a family with, uh, with perhaps an acre of land. And it would be like a giant suburb the size of the state of Texas, and it leaves all the rest of the world with resources to be mined or exploited, farmland, whatever. It indicates that there's plenty of opportunity. It suggests that there's plenty of opportunity for this planet to support more people in theory. The way the system is operating, that's not true. The restrictions we have on food and resources and whatever, we've got more, we have more people than the current, than the existing financial and economic systems are likely to be able to, to, to support. This is another one of those signs of coming into the future. Years from now, but not 100 years from now, not 50 years from now, five years from now, you'll see a, something dramatic is going to reduce population. It will probably be something like famine. Maybe a global economic collapse. All of a sudden, the food chain is suddenly disrupted. I have no idea how much food comes to me in Texas. It's grown in foreign countries. Mexico. A lot. But even, I get, I get grapes from uh, and frozen berries and whatever from down in Argentina. Yeah. I have no idea what the percentage is, but it's not, it's not insignificant. Something breaks down all of a sudden. Get a domino effect, or do we just run out of Argentinian tangerines? It wasn't. It was years ago, maybe seven years ago. I remember reporting on our program that the U.S. began importing more agriculture than we exported seven, eight years ago. We are a net importer of agricultural products. It, on one level. it is. Yeah. I mean, why? It should not be. Well, it's hard to say. Do you know what the primary import is for food? Water. In a world where we have a diminishing supply of water available for people, you need water to grow plants. You need water to feed livestock. And when you import beef from Argentina or pineapples from Mexico, just get pineapples. 
not just getting cattle, getting water. It becomes, on one level, something of a survival mechanism to import your food. You know, if you're trying to fight water shortage in your country. Um, yeah, but I also look at the U.S. So many resources, even for water. I mean, I don't think I that we're to the I point in the drought. No, no, I get that. I'm not arguing that we are so short on water, but I'm just saying that in theory, you can interpret, you know, the wheat you can that you import or whatever else you're importing. It reflects, it takes so many gallons of water to grow a pound of wheat. It takes so many gallons of water to grow a pound of beef over time. I look at and it as labor and jobs other than water. Look you know, at all of those things put together, and there's a bunch of things that go into this, but it's one criteria in a world that's running out of water. You know who has the biggest supply of fresh water in the world? We do. Great Lakes. Yeah. Great Lakes. It's the single biggest supply of fresh water on Earth. It's a great and astonishing blessing. But the rest of the world are just scratching in many places. Take the Middle East. I doubt that they can use 10% as much water as we do. We take it for granted, uh, just flush the toilet, let the water run in the sink until it gets cold. They aren't doing that in the Middle East. They turn on the tap and they take every drop that comes out of the tap, hot or cold. Take it and they try to use it as best they can. But they have a problem, at least in places, and it's only going to grow more population, more problems. this, we could resolve these problems, minimize them, except we've got a bunch of bozos more interested in going to war than they are in simply resolving problems. It's almost it's, it's bizarre. People, there are people who, you know, in Washington, in Russia, wherever, they're just itching for a chance to kill some people be itching for a chance to figure out how to get more water. So they're trying to kill more people. So where are we going? Well, trouble, 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 trouble. Well, know. that's one way to get Lick. more. Well, that's one way to get more water. You kill the people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you at least diminish the amount of water you ship them. Yeah. Um, today, mm-hmm. we saw Greece. Their parliament was unable to secure enough votes. Uh, to install a new president, so they'll go to new elections, uh, I guess sometime near the uh, end of January. January 25th. January 25th. Mm-hmm. And uh, their stock market, that plunged by almost uh, by 11% after the initial voting results came out, and then it recovered, and, and it was only down almost 4%, 3-point-something percent. Both the indexes for Spain and Italy, they dropped about 2%. And the 10-year bonds for Greek, they increased uh, by 1% uh, to 9.3%. So, you know, you read the story about two different ways to view this as far as the problems, whether they exit. Uh, but the opinion polls, they indicated that the, the Syriza, um, they couldn't win the most voter support at the upcoming elections. And, so they uh, couldn't or they could? They could. Yeah. They could win. Yeah, and 
Of course, this is the party that wants to renegotiate the terms of the bailout package yep. with the IMF and, uh, of course, the, uh, the the ECB and the European Commission. And um, uh, so, lessons here. Mm -hmm. What they're, they're simply saying is the existing government, the one that's there right now, they are essentially in favor of staying and maintaining their association with the European Union. They're in favor of austerity for the Greek people so they can repay their existing debts. And this alternative party, <laughs> Syriza, that's coming up right now, and in fact did win the election that was held today. It was just a vote of no confidence. All right. Do you have confidence in the in the government, current government of Greece? And the majority voter said, no, I don't. And that means that under the Greek Constitution and their laws, they now have to have a new election to establish a new government. That new election will take place on January 25th. And if it takes place, it will be between the government party, which wants to pay the debt, wants the people to live in austerity in order to pay the debt to the European Union, the IMF, and whatever, and the reason which is just saying, <laughs> they're such as they're heck with that. We don't want to pay. I said, heck no, we won't pay. All right? <laughs> and the public, the people, the majority of the people in Greece are apparently uh, voting for the Syriza party. And if that continues on January 25th, then shortly after the new party is elected and takes office, we can expect that however much money Greece still owes the European Union, the European Central Bank, uh, the International Monetary Fund, one way or another, they're going to cut that down dramatically. What that means is we've got a country who is going to officially, but what it may mean remains to be seen. What it may mean is we can see a country that's going to officially vote to say we're not paying our debt. Now, if that idea catches on, Spain is in big debt trouble. Italy is in big debt trouble. In addition to all this, for Greece, Greece is part of the part of the uh, the again the uh, Syriza party. They want to separate from the European Union. Now, Greece, this is just essentially a little country. But they are in a position to do something come January 25th that could start to disintegrate the European Union. They just might be the, you know, the percussion cap that you just fire that little cap, it's got that little percussion cap, and pop, the next thing you know, a bunch of other gunpowder goes off and other nations bail. It won't happen you know, in the month of January. It may take a couple of years. But Greece may be doing this, and what motivates them to do so, they don't want to pay the existing national debt. And we can reasonably wonder if the same thing isn't going to happen in this country when it becomes apparent to everyone that our government is so far in debt that it can't pay the existing national debt. And you can bet the American people do the same thing. One way or another... They will vote for a new third party that says they pay the debt. In fact, it's going to happen. 
Because there's someone that's going to come along and say, well, you people out there in TV land, you have to live in austerity. That means you won't be able to spend much money because government is going to raise your taxes and you're not going to have much money. So you have to live in austerity so we can pay our debts. But the truth is the debts are too big to ever be repaid. Later, people are going to realize that sooner or when they do, they're going to vote just like they did in pre-state. We're not going to pay the bills. Great danger in all of that that huge Americans depend on the debts, the bonds that, that memorialize the debts. They depend on them being paid. They are the backbone of pension funds in this country. People finally say the debts are good, we're not paying it. They mean all the bonds for those pension funds are going to be diminished in value dramatically. Some of them will turn out to be worthless. This is the moment that, that when this happens, who knows? When's it going to happen? Don't know. Don't have. Don't can't say. But when it does, guess what? Anybody who's holding on to paper is going to say, "Gee, I wish I had a tangible investment of gold and silver, because that will survive the day when the debt can't be paid. Paper won't. The gold and silver will. Take a break. More commercials. Be right back. Alfred and Melody. Please stay tuned. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom In the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It's been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 
375-4188. Call now. No one would ever fly. 
Now this goes back to the late 80s, early 90s. You know, I'm sure things changed. I'd like to think they've changed, but. Um, well, they apparently have because the planes that were there at that time didn't just start dropping out of the air. So perhaps they were they replaced with newer, better mm -hmm. aircraft and perhaps newer, better maintenance procedures and whatever. But, you know, if there was... But if there was anyone to know, it was him. Mm -hmm. He built them. He built planes. He built the Boeings and uh, the, the, the airlines and the passenger planes. And uh, so if anyone would know, he would be the man in charge to know. And uh, so I kept flying. I still flew, but that was always in the back of my mind. <laughs> Uh, here's a report from Shanghai Gold Exchange, and the headline in this report says, Total Gold Delivered. Shanghai Gold Exchange in 2014 passes 2,000 tons. Um, and the total volume since they went into business is now close to 8,000 tons. They've been in business for several years. Um, and here's a little of it. The amount of gold delivered on the Shanghai Gold Exchange for the weekend of December 19th was 60,657 tons, up from 50, 50 tons for the week of the end of December 12th. The Shanghai Gold Exchange has delivered 2,016 tons of gold in the first 51 weeks of 2014. 2,000 tons is equal to half annual gold mining production of which China produces over 400 tons. The numbers become confusing, but in order to understand the significance of this reported 2,000 tons, note that according to some reports, COMEX market has only about 25 metric tons of gold available for delivery. The, thus, the Shanghai Gold Exchange, they have actually delivered somewhere between 10 and 80 times as much physical gold as COMEX holds for possible delivery. Now, what do you think, Melody? Is this a valid report or invalid? Well, I'm sure there's some merit to it. Um, can't say it's not valid. I think it's a large amount. But a huge amount possible. of gold. I mean, you're talking, you know, Russia, India, China. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, we know that they buy. I don't think, I, I'm not, not so sure. And, just, and, of course, this was before Russia was having its problems, too. So I don't think Russia's buying gold now, but. Um. Well, I don't doubt gold. I, I'm inclined to believe that Russia, despite reports, I think Russia probably still is buying gold. I, think I can't tell you that's the truth, but I think. I think they got too many problems on their plate right now. Yeah. India, they just changed their laws to where you know they, their you know people have friendlier access to to gold. So, um, so it, uh, to me, it would make China the biggest buyer of all of the three. That's probably true. Large enough. That's probably true. But the big point is we've got an exchange that's moving. If the report is true. We've got an exchange in China, Shanghai, that's moving 2,000 tons of gold in a single year. That's a fantastic amount. But here is, from my perspective, the big question. 
What are they being paid for? All of that physical gold is going over there to the Shanghai Exchange. I don't know where it's all coming from. Some of it may be coming from the United States and from Europe and who knows, Africa, South America, I don't know. But what I'd really like to know is what are they paying? What's their price per ounce over there? Because I don't think that they can stay in business selling physical gold in those kinds of volumes at paper gold prices. If there's not a premium that's attached to that physical gold in Shanghai, if the price of gold is 1200 an ounce here in the United States, I'm going to just say, look, they've got to be moving gold for $1,300, $1,500, who knows what. But there's got to be a premium on the physical gold because if they're just selling it for paper gold price of, say, $1,200 an ounce, there's no reason why Comex can't be buying that gold. It could be keeping the racket, the paper gold racket could thrive. Guess what? We've got an unlimited supply of gold at $1,200 an ounce. Shanghai Gold Exchange. I mean, they're going to go broke if they're not getting a premium, in my opinion, from my way of those things. Um, they're going to go broke if they don't get a premium on top of whatever the paper gold price is. So do you think they're getting a premium, Melody, or do you think they're nuts? They call your connection. Mm. Have a connection, Melody. You don't? No. We'll get one. Well, probably need two or three. Because part of the problem is like, you know, you hear these reports. It's like listening to how much gold is at Fort Knox? How much gold remains in the U.S. Treasury? According to some sources, there's almost 8,200 tons. According to other sources, it's all gone. Where's the truth of the matter? You know, this is like that old, all of what's happening to gold in the world right now is like the old joke definition of a Canadian gold mine. A hole in the ground surrounded by liars. You know? um, everybody's claiming that they're pulling X number of you know, ounces, tons of gold, whatever, out of a particular location. But what's the truth of the matter? I wonder how much really, how much, how much of their reports, how much gold is sold, moved, whatever. Liable. Do you have any idea, Mel? No. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's, you know, I'm sure you could track down some of the numbers and so forth, but I, I, I believe they're a little exaggerated. But that doesn't take away the importance of the information. Uh, it doesn't take away the importance that. You know, these markets are moving gold. It yeah. doesn't take away the importance. When you look at our mainstream media, every day, the, you know, they'll come up with, you know, with no reasons why you don't want to own gold. That is, you know, oh, there's gold price, oh, you know, and they laugh. My point is if, it's, if it doesn't mean anything, why do they keep showing the numbers? Why do they even bother giving it the 30 seconds of attention every day? Uh, whether it's uh, negative or positive. It, it's, so it, it's there to play a very important part. And uh, uh, to me, it shows that they truly are desperate, and they truly do dislike gold, and they truly do believe gold will play a very important part in the future. It always has, and it's the fundamental. It's always that, will. It's the fundamental that people need to learn to understand. 
because it really does help to clarify a lot of investment decisions. The question is, and you can clarify your investment decisions, you can start with a question. Like more money or less money? I think everybody, pretty much, there might be a couple of exceptions, but everyone's going to agree, well, yeah, of course I'd want more money. Okay? You want more money. Now, can you define money? Most people can't. But for the last several thousand years, money has been gold and or silver. These little pieces of paper have always been an intermediate step between people selling something and being paid. Historically, what happened is if I were going to sell a buckboard or whatever back in the 1800s, I have a buckboard for sale. Melody might come up, and she gives me $100, $100 to pay for the buckboard. But it's not really a payment. That piece of paper was redeemable in gold or silver. If I wanted to actually be paid for that buckboard, I had to take that piece of paper, which was essentially was like a check on a bank account. I write a check, I'm selling something, or I'm buying something, I write a check, and I hand it to somebody. Has he been paid? No, he hasn't been paid until he cashes the check at the bank. And he finds out, oh, there really is money in Ada's bank account. Didn't pay it until he takes that piece of paper in and he trades it off for some real money. It was the same thing with pieces of paper, Federal Reserve notes, right? Well, not Federal Reserve notes, but dollars, gold certificates, silver certificates. You could take paper, the kind of note, a promise to pay, an intermediate step, but you weren't actually paid until you acquired some gold or silver. Then you were paid. Now you have received money. You take that piece of paper in, and that was what happened when the dollar was backed by gold and silver. Over time, we became conditioned. What, what, what we stopped going to the bank and taking our piece of paper and say, I would like an ounce of gold, I'd like an ounce of silver or whatever from this piece of paper. We began to assume that the piece of paper was a payment rather than a promise to pay. We began to assume that it was a payment rather than an intermediate step before you got paid. And the only way you get paid is when you required, when you acquired some gold, some silver. That's payment. Gold and silver are money. Uh, and so if you're going to make an investment decision to say, do I want more money? Do I want less money? More money. That necessarily means I want more gold. I'm Alfred Adams. We're out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye.
Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your healthcare options just became endless. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Silver wings, 
100 men will test today. All right, everybody, enjoy Barry Sadler singing the Ballad of the Green Beret. I can listen to it every day. I do listen to it every day on Freedom Call and uh, never tire of it. I remember the days when Special Forces was hated by all except one general, General William T. Yarborough was a man who was the founder of Special Forces, and he designed the United States military parachute wings, the basic parachute wing, the senior wing with the star on the top, and the master parachutist wing with the star within a wreath on the top. That was General Yarborough. Now, General Yarborough also designed the Jungle Fatigue, which uh, Special Forces wore uh, during the Vietnam War. And it was interesting because Yarborough said it is a court-martial offense if you are caught starching and ironing Jungle Fatigue. These jungle fatigues are meant to be worn. You can wash them, certainly, by hand or in a a washer. You can dry them. But don't let me catch you with one of these uh, bayonets have to open because they're starched so stiffly the way that it was when Special Forces uh, was not wearing a green beret and we were part of uh, the Army. And in airborne troops, they literally, you would send them out to base laundries at Fort Bragg, and they would starch them so you actually had to take a bayonet and open the fatigues just like you would a can of Spam. And uh, your crease uh, had to be permanent, and to Yarborough, it meant you're not doing what Special Forces is designed to do. If I can see this kind of crease in your fatigues, you need fatigues that are meant for that. Fatigue duty, where you're down on your hands and knees, you're sweating, and no reason for having a dirty uniform soldier. But in those days, Generals hated special forces. Matter of fact, they made it so difficult that if you got a what was called a DR discrepancy, I mean, you could get a DR as a by parking in the red zone uh, at Fort Bragg. You get a DR from anything. You got a DR. You were moved out of special forces, and you were reassigned to the 82nd Airborne, or to the 18th Airborne Corps, which had its headquarters in Fort Bragg. It was a fight just to stay in Special Forces by staying out of trouble 
with the promo marshal and other authorities. And for a guy like me, uh, who uh, my password was who, me, I mean, if people were anything that happened, they were, I used to tell people, I still do. I was out here at Sandy Valley at the corner with delivering a body for burial, and they said, are you the cemetery director? I said, no, but I'm the one that will probably be accused if there's anything wrong. Just leave the body, I'll sign it, and make sure the paperwork gets over and filed uh, with the Justice of the Peace. But then along came Barry Sadler, and he wrote that beautiful song, The Ballad of the Green Beret. And you know that Barry Sadler wrote other songs that I would highly commend uh, for you and especially if you have a young woman in your life, either as a daughter, as a friend, uh, as a neighbor, granddaughter, the song that Barry Sadler wrote was a salute to the nurses of Vietnam. And I'll tell you, I have opened my eyes, and the first thing I saw was an angel. I thought I was in heaven, and I was glad to be there. That angel turned out to be undercover as an Army nurse. But what a beautiful sight for a GI who has been wounded in combat, been loaded unconscious into a medevac, thrown back to a hospital, and when he comes to, his eyes not in focus yet, things are still cloudy, misty, and yet you can make out what looks like a face, and then that face comes into view, and there is a beautiful angel. And then you realize, whoa, this is heaven. And it is almost heaven, being in an Army hospital with an Army nurse with a bright smile, twinkle in her eye that says, you're going to make it, soldier. It's going to be okay. I'm here. I won't leave you. So, God bless Barry Sadler. He was kind of an honorary guy. He owned a bar down in Tucson, Arizona, and he shot and killed the guy. Then Barry Sadler went to Latin America to become a mercenary, and he was killed. Uh, and the sad part about the whole thing is that it was part of our manipulations of the government. And he was supposed to be guarding a particular official that America was targeting. And Barry had to go along. He was killed, as well as the official. But he left us his songs. And Barry Sadler will forever be alive 
as long as you can hear the ballad of the Green Beret. Lullaby is one of my favorites because almost every Special Forces soldier has lived it. This is where a Green Beret is saying goodbye to his little child who's only three, telling him that now you're the man of the house. Your daddy's got to go to defend those who are oppressed. And so you will be the man of the house. Only three. Great song. Barry Sadler took these songs and made a whole album. And uh, you can tell that they are songs from the soldiers. He's much like Kipling. Kipling uh, was a soldier's uh, poet and writer. Kipling took these stories right out of the front lines. Gunga Den. Remember some of these things? Well, Barry Sadler was the same way. And so I remember him. And I'm going to play his song because uh, I'll never forget, we did not have a march of special forces. But when I got to Panama, we used the band. We used vehicle mechanics. We used generator repair men. We used all of the, of the low assignment personnel as guerrillas because they didn't know much about field fighting. And so they were perfect for us to practice with in teaching unconventional warfare, and they loved it because they were against the regular infantry down there, and they loved beating the infantry time after time after time and laughing about it around the campfires at night, all of a sudden where they had always been looked down upon as mechanics and uh, wire runners and radio operators, now all of a sudden they are ambushing, they are raiding, they are doing things where they are beating the regular army, and they love it. So it also had a little bit of a benefit that I had never uh, thought of before. The first time that Special Forces was required to march in a parade for some VIP, as the Special Forces units started uh, to cross uh, the review line, the band stopped their regular march, Colonel Bogey, and they struck up the Ballad of the Green Beret in march time. All of a sudden, these master sergeants, these sergeant first class, these old warriors, instead of a wavy rank, you saw those rank and file snap in, those heads went up, those arms are six to the front and three to the rear. 
their steps became as one. They were so proud. It made the hair stand up on the back of your neck to hear that ballad of the Green Beret. And so ever from that time, any time that, and I, I know that the general didn't like it because this is not an official army march, but it became one because there couldn't be one special forces soldier in the parade. And when that soldier went in front of the viewing stand, the band stopped and began with the Ballad of the Green Beret until he was passed. So it was a great and wonderful thing. And I know the band, I don't know how they were able to keep time and make the music beautiful like they did when they were all grinning from ear to ear. The military has been good. I mentioned it because uh, today the numbers are 6,000. 660. That's a bad number. Any number is a bad number when you're talking about American military killed in action this New Year's Day. 6,660. The men aren't evil. The men are wonderful. The women they have put on the uniform, and they have gone where others fear to. And they have done what this country has asked. And they have made the supreme sacrifice. 6,660. We should celebrate. But it ought to be for our troops coming home. There is something here for them to guard. The Constitution, America's borders from these narco-terrorists. Instead, we have them over there where Afghanistan only produces 93% of the world's heroin. And everybody knows about it. You can go to www.cia.gov. You'll repeat what the totals are. The totals are far more than they ever were before of shipping heroin. It used to be the Golden Triangle of Burma. Now it is the Golden Crescent of Afghanistan and Turkey. And we got to move that stuff right across the top of Iran and getting to Turkey, where it's distributed. How do you suppose we do that without paying off the Ayatollah Khamenei? So what are we doing there? How come our C-130 Hercules aircraft aren't loaded down with Agent Orange? How come every one of those poppy fields isn't crispy? and then set a flame. Let them grow anything they want. Let them grow corn or beans. I'm sure the Agriculture Department, the Diplomatic Service, would be more than happy to provide them with all kinds of technical assistance in growing legal crops that can be harvested. 
But instead, the only thing that comes out of there, 93% of the whole world peril. And who guards it? Who is there to make sure that Karzai stays in office, that Afghanistan remains the golden crescent? The United States Armed Forces. That's it. Now, that's not what the soldiers are doing. But what are they doing there if it is not making safe these routes of trafficking in raw opium all the way to Turkey where it's turned into number four Asian Herald? And the same. You know, we're not out of Iraq yet. But you won't see any casualty numbers for Iraq because we have ceased officially our military operations in Iraq. And so, how can we have numbers of statistics of people who are being killed, being wounded in Iraq. So we don't. The government uh, won't allow it. At any rate, you need to know about it, and it is one of the things that we need to do something about. Bring the troops home now. You know, it's like this uh, fiscal cliff. They fool around and fool around until, at the last moment, they think, "Well, we can, uh, we can, uh, we have a debt ceiling, which we have blasted right through." And so, if we have had a debt ceiling, we've blasted right through. Then why have, why have we? Not stop. Well, it's because the Secretary of Treasury, M. Geithner, has some uh, extraordinary powers. He'll keep the government, even though it has pierced the debt ceiling, he'll keep the government afloat until Congress will, in by the end of February probably, they will have raised the debt ceiling again. Now, they've raised it twice in two years already. So what good is the debt ceiling? We just experienced our new year. Now, when you write down something, you've got to remember to put 2013. Well, as we know... The Asians, they have a new year that is a little bit behind uh, what the uh, Orthodox world has. And the Chinese New Year is actually on 11 February. Right? Now, this coming 11 of February, it will start the year of the snake, and I think it is very appropriate. 
because what we have is a den of snakes. And so we will be dealing in February with this debt ceiling. If we're just going to keep on raising it, then why have it? It is a deception. It's a falsehood. And so we should be uh, deceived and had the wool pulled over our eyes as Americans. The Congress owes us loyal and efficient management of government. And to, in two years, put debt ceilings that you're not supposed to be able to go beyond, and we just crash right through two of them, now we will crash through another one. And the fiscal cliff. All of these things. But do you know more important than any of them? Bringing our troops home while they're still alive. I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick and tired of seeing the count bounce every day. 6,660. Not yet. All right, now before we take a break, I want to introduce you to something that's been uh, a, an interesting subject that uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to take graduate uh, level studies in, and that's in the area of cultural anthropology. Cultural anthropology looks at an area, considers the race, religion, was 
half of what it is now. So what has caused black America to suddenly go and fall over its foreskin as far as no fathers for their black babies? Well, the answer, we come back, we're going to listen to American Voice uh, Radio. Please, uh, as you listen to the ads over AVRN, consider helping those that help keep AVRN on the air uh, by buying those products, ordering those things that are made available, if and when you can. All right, stay with AVRN. I'll be right back. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees new news commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices have increased over forty percent. Energy prices have increased over twenty percent. Wheat and gas prices have increased over seventy percent. What's going to be next? Do you see? reversing or even stabilizing, all fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at bgscoins.com. That's bgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? 
Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at FordSpectrum.us or under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Guys, we're back with American Boys Radio Network, and Frank Steffen is the owner-operator. Frank's a GI, meaning government issue. A lot of the kids, it's funny, you know, the, the old-time talk that we have is, is about as strange to the young generation as some of their new-time talk uh, is to us. And uh, I just asked the karate class the other night, I, we were, you know, talking about gifts and things. And uh, somebody mentioned G.I. Joe, and uh, another one of the kids said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, G.I. means government issue. And it's got to be a term of affection for G.I. Joe, because he was government issue. And that's what it does mean jeeps they were all gi issue and ships sailors soldiers everybody was a gi anyway frank uh found i think where god would have him and we now enjoy american voice radio network and if you are alert enough uh come the weekend there is a backside to American Voice Radio Network, and that is TV, A-V-R-N, TV. And Frank chose the spike training every uh, weekend, and it's progressive. Now, the last uh, 
bike training was phase two, and it included lock picking and secret service and tradecraft. And there is uh, some security items that uh, only Delta Force and special operations out of CIA are probably trained in. You have the opportunity to have the same equipment, learn uh, these tricks of the trade. I mean, what a wonderful mystery when you find that there is someone deceased in a hotel room that is completely locked, every window, every door from the inside. And so what is the answer? How can uh, such a person uh, meet an attacker? And the answer is by special operations uh, lock manipulation, where you're able to undo a uh, chain guard. You're able to bypass uh, these things that you can put into the floor that block the door from the bottom being open. You're able to manipulate uh, dead bolt locks. All of these things get into the room, accomplish whatever it is, and get out, and then relock everything as if, for example, the chain guard has never been unlocked. And so uh, that wasn't on phase two, but we put together uh, one of the later phases that has special operations lock manipulation. Now, this coming weekend is really a one of the better uh, phases, and it is gun control, and gun control means hitting the target with every shot. LaPierre should make that statement when he's talking about what the NRA's position uh, on gun control is. First of all, what is gun control if it isn't hitting the target with every shot? And so we show you in uh, phase three of Spike, we have a Army pistol champion, a Sergeant First Class Charlie McCallum, who's also a Special Forces uh, medical supervisor. And uh, Charlie shows us uh, Delta uh, target identification exactly. I mean, there was some really good photography uh, in showing you how precisely you align sights in order uh, to hit the target every shot using uh, handguns. And then Scott Weekly uh, presents uh, a part on instinctive shooting, and though that is best accomplished with BB guns and 22 rifles. And you remember as a kid, if you were fortunate enough to have a BB gun be raised out there in the Midwest or the Western states, I mean, I had a BB gun so that I could walk around and see over my dog. 
and I got off some pretty great hip shots out there in the desert by Tucson, Arizona. Some shots that amazed me that were instinctively fired. And you can train yourself uh, to use something like a BB gun or a pellet gun or a 22 and not have the instinctive reflex to uh, snap the trigger because you're firing a heavier caliber. Anyway, watch the spike on the weekend. And this coming weekend will be spike three. And uh, guarantee, uh, I think it includes the uh, combat medicine portion of the spike training where you are taking care of gunshot wounds. So you don't want to miss it. Plus, there's also a self-defense part in the one you just saw. Uh, It was defense against edged weapons. And so if you'll watch American Voice Radio Network TV on Saturday and Sunday, the training is eight hours long, so be prepared and clear the decks and see if you can't get your family or uh, loved ones, neighbors. I'm almost positive I can uh, speak for our golf trainer. Chris Burns up there in Connecticut with his spike team that they have the spike training tapes and they're using just as you should. All right, let me go back now and explain something that some of you may still be in shock over. This started as I began to prepare you for uh, this past year and the, it's, it's interesting, the specialty of the cultural anthropologist is to look at what an area contains in people and culture so that they can predict what it will become. Now, when you go to Europe, Europe's a lot older than the United States. You look at Europe, and you see that Portugal and Spain and France, for an example, have an alarming increase in the number of Muslim believers now in the country. Now, I heard this statement being made over national news yesterday, that Muslims were being sent, not that they were just migrating voluntarily, but Muslims had actually been sent to these European countries so that they can gain the numbers to actually manipulate the laws, take over the leadership, and the first countries that that will happen in are countries like Spain and Portugal and France. The cultural anthropologists have come down with a prediction 
And there's a, this is not the same as like predicting the end of the world using the Mayan calendar or the alignment of the planet. This is a simple mathematical equation. The Muslims have a birth rate of 8 to 1. Now, in Europe, the birth rate has been going down, meaning for Spanish people, French people, Portuguese people, the birth rate at 8 to 1 with the Muslim population equates that within the next 20 years, those countries will no longer be the majority with the culture and the European population that has been there for a thousand years is going to be a Muslim majority. Now, in America, you don't hear about Muslim uh, cultural anthropologic equations because they are too scary for the networks. But in with our birth rate having fallen the way it has, the white American culture in the United States of America will become a minority within the next 40 years. Now you may say, well, geez, folks, I'm 70. Uh, I won't be around. You may not be around. But your children, your grandchildren are going to be around. What is going to happen when the white culture is no longer a majority? And when, because right now we have interesting statistics, don't we, about minorities. And they're even predicting now, well, uh, the Latinos have taken the lead over African Americans. And that it won't be long before in some areas the Latino will be the majority. We see this along the border states with Mexico. So what happens when the white American culture is a minority? We will see government officials being represented more and more by what we've looked at as black Americans, Latinos, and they don't go, do they, by religions, but we see an unproportional number of Jewish persons in these elected, appointed, high offices compared to the population that is represented in the United States. And so it's going to be a, a pretty interesting turn of events when in 40 years we see the American white Christian culture 
basically as a minority. And we see Sharia law. And we see that at an 8-to-1 birth rate, not even the Latinos can keep up with the Muslims. And do you believe, is it possible that countries uh, like Iran and others can be sending people to occupy European countries, basically white culture countries, so that gradually, once they are introduced and implanted with the predictable 8 to 1 birth rate, it doesn't take long. Because all the European birth rates are near what America is. But remember when we were getting all this business about the world is overpopulated, this, that, the other thing. Remember where uh, the rules began to be changed where teenagers can go down and get uh, overnight pills or next day pills or panic uh, uh, pills uh, to end pregnancies without the parents uh, being called in or any counseling by a you know somebody who uh, would speak to a youngster before they would uh, take a pill to have an abortion. Well, what has happened is because of the proclivity of all of the medications for abortions, because of the lack of morals, the depravity of the moral standards amongst the white culture, this is exactly what's happened. Right now, at this moment, we are a dead culture. Right now, let's say that uh, we got a leader uh, after Obama, something happened. Uh, the Mormon great white horse uh, prophecy is fulfilled. And somebody says we need to be making more white babies. Get busy. It wouldn't do any good. The white population in America is already past the point of no return. That's the fact. And so in 40 years or so, you will see that, don't be surprised, that Sharia law is instituted. Why wouldn't it be when you have a majority of Muslims and a minority of white culture people? Now, we look and see what has happened just to the african American. And uh, we see where they were the major minority in America, but no more. Black Americans have been eclipsed by Latinos. What you see when you look at black Americans, however, is that the crime rate is escalating faster than anyone would have thought possible. 500 murders in Chicago, most of them black. Now, something that goes along with this 
is the state, meaning the government, is the father to the majority of black babies being born today. Not just the majority, but the huge majority. We're looking at 75% now of black babies being born are born without the acknowledgement of a living father. And what? This is sort of the question I asked you that I posed to you. It's a rhetorical question before the first uh, half of the show closed today. What has caused this? And the answer is America has turned into this giveaway society. We are a socialist system. And with this socialist system, we have a, a couple of, of things that just go hand in glove. We have a dependence, and uh, we have a, a acceptance that the government is our father. The government is going to provide a roof over our heads. The government will clothe us. This does this sound a lot like communism? Well, it is. Remember that a communist is just a socialist in a hurry. Is Barack Hussein Obama a socialist? Absolutely, unequivocally, yes. And so this is where we're headed. What has he accomplished for the black Americans? Well, you have seen, I mean, it is to even to educated black Americans, this is shocking. Ten years ago, there was half the number left. And 20 years ago, it was half of that. And so now we have 75% of the children that are being born are illegitimate. And just 10 years ago, it was 35%. And 10 years before that, uh, we were down to where it was 15%. That's because in those days, we didn't see the government as the, the great father that uh, would give us abortions, that would give us money, uh, to give us education. And now that's what we are. And, unfortunately, if you don't like this, if you see this as immoral, thank the man that you have twice put in as president. Because that is, and you may say, well, he says he's a Christian, Bull. Well, it may be. Are you listed in other countries as a Muslim? Well, Barack Obama is. He couldn't have gone to school in Indonesia on the Muslim. Indonesia's got the largest population of Muslims in the world. And so, what we have today 
is a rapidly growing immoral population. And what we have today is a waning white population that within the next 40 years will not be the majority. You know, I've been to a lot of countries around the world, and most of these countries, like Cote d'Ivoire, for example, 60 people died today in the Ivory Coast. It's on West Africa because of being crushed to death uh, in a in a massive panic by people. Cote d'Ivoire, of course, used to be run by the French. When it was run by the French, it was a developing, it was a a progressive country. When you look at Kenya, you go back and say, wow, you know that uh, uh, Barack Obama was actually a British citizen because he's born over in Kenya. That was a British protectorate at the time of his birth. And then the Brits gave up and turned it over, uh, and now uh, it has been since the 60s. They, along with Uganda and Tanzania now. But when these countries lose their uh, white identity, see them drop down, there is a, a vacuum of spiritualness, a vacuum of morality, a vacuum of respecting the law. And in the opposite case, you see that crime, and you see that children without fathers, you see abortions, you see other, the negative side, soar. And that is because these cultures have a different level, a different slant. And so what do you suppose will happen when America stops being a European, a white culture? Do you think America is going to increase in the arts, in the sciences, in the one place on earth that all look to for hope and would like to be a citizen of, I think we see, we get a, a snapshot looking at Chicago as this 2012 year ends. But be thankful for what we have. Stay close to the Lord. Pray more this year. Listen to American Voice Radio Network. And I'll be with you tomorrow. God bless you. Man who One hundred men will test today, but only three.
welcome to Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a program dedicated to biblical truth and prophecy featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Yet they don't have a leg to stand on. 
they they think, for example, uh, you know, uh, one of the presidential candidates, I think, puts it very nicely that the uh, current president is the uh, food stamp president. That's yeah. exactly right. They, they, there's this attitude here that somehow they're better off if they're in this state of dependence. And the reality is, is all that does is actually um, squash their ambition, squash their desire, squash that, that willingness to achieve their economic greatness. And so government's not the solution. The so-called compassion argument of the left is a lie. And uh, the, the message that should really resonate is one that's fundamentally built on the idea of liberty. Let me put our common fathers. Go ahead. Okay. I, I'm going to interrupt her, but I, I just wanted to throw this in. The State of the Union address, um, I watched that. Uh, actually, I ended up watching it a couple of times because I was at the gym. And I observed a couple of young men watching it, and you know, they were just going along, you know, what kept saying, yeah, and, and going along with everything the president said. How can we get the general public, I mean, you know, there's so many people that work hard or young people that just, you know, they, they don't spend a lot of time in alternate news, talk radio, and it just seems like, how can we get these guys woken up? Because the, the president was sitting there telling lie after lie, I thought, in my opinion. Oh, no question about it. In fact, I'm, I'm waiting for a surgeon general to start putting a health warning when he speaks <laughs> because it really is nauseating to hear this message that it is just fuming with lies, uh, and, the, the, and his arrogance, the boldness of his arrogance as he gets up there and lectures us on how we need more of the same poison we've gotten over the last three years that's created economic havoc. He continues to blame the Bush administration, which, by the way, uh, he, he pushes anything that's exonerated from our uh, harm that works today, but he has added so much damage. I think, for example, of the trillions endowments that he pursued and he's lecturing about no more bailouts. His bailouts, which were supposed to prevent the unemployment situation from ever going above 8%, have led to an unemployment situation that's never been below 9%. Right. The man lies. He lies constantly. If his lips are moving, he's probably lying. And so I agree with you. I agree with you entirely. And reaching those people, I, I'm hoping, you know, one of the things that we've seen is that the number of young people who are um, in college age has moved dramatically from Democrat to Republican, according to the polls out there, how they identify themselves. And, and you know, the old saying, you know, what, what, what is a conservative? Well, the vast majority of the conservatives are liberals that have been bust. Well, there's no group that's been mugged more than college students by uh, this, this government's economic policy. Well, it, it's absolutely crazy. Um, because, you know, we have such a liberal media out there. We also, you know, have a homeless outreach in Wichita. And, and so, you know, I, I talk to the, I get to the, in conversation with some of those guys sometimes. And these people are, a lot of them are not like the old, you know, bum on the street. These people, a lot of them from the economy, they can't find a job. And so they may have sent their family home to mom and dad, but they're out in the street trying to make some money. But the point is, 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 this is a good another representation of how the general public is fooled. You start to talk to them about Obama, and they immediately, you know, get, you know, they're all pro-Obama and that it was all Bush, and, you know, they just can't get beyond that lie of Bush. But here was the question I wanted to ask out of that. Um, wasn't the last, uh, what, four years that Bush was in office, didn't he have a Democratic Congress? Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. All of, since the... Uh, 
2006. That's the, yeah, the last two years. And so, and it was dominated by the Democrats and the Democrats' agenda. And of course, frankly, some of the policies reflected the Democrats' agenda. For example, uh, the uh, bailout, the massive bailout that we saw take place. His last tax cut was a tax cut uh, for uh, the so-called middle class tax cut that did nothing for job creation. Uh, but uh, yeah, as a rule, the last two years you can say that the Democrats can share uh, responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody ever touches on that point, you know. Interesting that they don't. But uh, going on from that, so, you know, we need to get the people better educated. And what, does your book do any of this? What's your book about? My book deals a lot with some of the, uh, I think, uh, huge lies, typical lies that we hear. Not, you know, people talk about Democrat and Republican. I, I like to say liberal and, and really liberty-minded. I'm not even so hot on the conservative idea. Let's face it, there's not much to conserve anymore. Right. And, and, and what we, you know, what you want to conserve, you know, abortion on demand, you want to conserve uh, massive deficits, uh, uh, there's not much to conserve anymore. What we need is restoration. We need to restore limited constitutional government as like the founding fathers, fathers gave us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, Things that it's both sides, you know. You, we want to say one side until the Tea Party came in. It seems like in the last year, one side really didn't seem much different than the other. We've come so far from you know our founding principles, and so uh, you know we're just uh, on this program. We've been talking a lot about it and not knowing what to do about it, and I don't really see a lot of hope in this election. Um, do you see really any hope in these candidates? Well, uh, I, let me just say, with Romney, not at all. This Romney, and, and there's a side of me that honestly believes that there's no more than 25% out there that's going to vote for this guy anyway. If you notice, no matter what happens, it's the same percentage, no matter where he goes. Yeah, And uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, Newt Gingrich is literally, not only figuratively, a roller coaster ride. He's, he's, uh, in his rhetoric, what happens in the election results, um, in some ways, he reminds me of a Republican Bill Clinton, uh, his, his moral flexibility, his flexibility. Uh, but I will say this about Newt Gingrich. He's by far the smartest of all those Republican candidates, yeah. arguably combined. He's highly intelligent, which is both his uh, acuity skill and his greatest strength. Um, and he has this ability to speak past the media to the population, to the public, like no candidate I've seen since Ronald Reagan, although he is no Ronald Reagan. And uh, there's a side of me that wonders if he, there may be a case for him just for the times that we're living in, but he, too, is a big government conservative, and that, and that to me, is a um, And so I worry about all of them. I love Rick Santorum. He's a great guy, but there's no way he's going to get right. uh, a, a machine together that's going to be viable enough to win. So I, I really think it comes down to Newton Romney. I hope Newton over Romney, but I don't have a lot of hope, uh, even if he wins in November. Right, absolutely. Um, well, just because of some of the listeners, we'll bring up Ron Paul. Ron Paul, falls in the, to me, falls in the same category as uh, Romney does. He has a set group that it's not going to go any further than that. Uh, so besides, uh, his foreign policy, I think, would get us blown off the map. But, well, imagine, imagine his foreign policy is significantly to the left of Barack Obama. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, the thing about Ron Paul, and I will give this to his credit, Ron Paul's numbers uh, 
um, are literally triple and quadruple of what they were in 2008 in these polling that we're seeing. And the reason for that is that unlike any of his impo- opponents in the GOP primary, he absolutely positively believes exactly what he's saying. There is no chameleon with Ron Paul. Yeah. And let me tell you, absolute integrity resonates even if that integrity is a little nutty like Ron Paul. Yeah, absolutely. He is confirmed in his faith. What he believes is what he believes and what he um, and that's the thing about Newt. You know, it seems with Newt, I remember back, I'm, I'm 56, so I remember a little bit back when he was, uh, you know, out. That guy can just come up with anything out of his mouth. Oh, no question about it. Uh, this guy uh, has been calling for individual mandates in a way that uh, Mitt Romney has been doing even longer than Mitt Romney did. Now he's going to be anti-Obamacare, but he advocated similar things. And it was being done by Romney. He gave Romney props. He's governor of Massachusetts. Both of these men, in my opinion, they're more like thermometers, and they should be thermostats. They shouldn't be reflecting the culture or the temperature of our time. They're trying to change the temperature of our time, which, again, is why Ron Paul resonates, even though, again, Ron Paul's something of a nut job. Right. Well, um, going uh, back to uh, uh, Newt, hopefully, I mean, you know, I don't see uh, he's going to be the candidate, I think, and he's going to got to be better than Obama in here, don't you? Yeah, I think he'll be better than Obama. Let me tell you what, again, going back to the analogy of Bill Clinton, and people say, well, you don't see the similarities. I see a lot of similarities. They have issues with women that are similar. They have uh, very high intelligence. Bill Clinton was very, very intelligent. And let me tell you, though, both of these guys want to be one thing, and that is popular. Ben Cambridge, in the end, wants to be popular, whereas Barack Obama is a hardcore ideologue a hardcore Marxist ideologue. There's no question about it in my mind. Walks like one, talks like one, he acts like one. So in the end, you know, Gingrich is going to be concerned with, as a guy with a Ph.D. in history about what will be the history of Newt Gingrich. And so he's going to move. And right now, you know, with the, with the ebb and flow of this nation, this nation is asking for restoration of rule of law. This right. nation is crying for less government. This nation is wanting a tax policy that's no longer the second-highest tax policy of any industrialized country in the world, second only to Japan, the worst regulatory environment of any industrialized country, the worst litigation environment of any industrialized country. And so he's got to move to the right just to get some kind of balance. And so he's definitely going to be better than Barack Obama, who doesn't believe we're bad enough in any of those categories I just named. Yeah, it was astounding to see him... uh uh, Barack Obama stand up there and say that, you know, basically he was just interested in government, you know, that was, you know, only did what the people couldn't do. And if we go off that off his record, he thinks that we can't do anything. <laughs> well, really? I mean, government come on. Can't, we can't do anything, and government is a panacea. Yeah, I well, mean, if you would look at him, we're all, you know, invalids. We're all handicapped. And uh, we don't have enough sense to uh, make it out of our bed, do our daily lives, and get back, get back home safely. And uh, to me, it's very pathetic, and it's antithetical to the principles of this great nation. Right. He sat there and was trying to speak about, talk about how he could increase jobs and everything. And but yet, you know, the, I wanted to, and I wanted to butt in and tell these young men, but I didn't do it because um, I didn't want to upset them. But 
I should have, of all places. But the point is, is they were, were so emphatic about how he would, the policies about how he would um, create new jobs, like return and everything. But yet America has increased, what, over 300 new EPA rules? And, you know, you've got to about hire somebody if you start a corporation just to, uh, you know, to weave you through all the various regulations. And in fact, the fastest-growing industry, one of the fastest-growing industries in the United States today, is regulatory compliance. And what people don't understand is that the exact the, the, the cost of that regulatory compliance, even as an industry, as a profitable industry, is done at the expense of, of things that actually create things. You know, the regulatory compliance doesn't create anything except for bureaucracy fighters. It doesn't create new products. It doesn't create innovation. It doesn't do any of the things that are uh, indicative of a free society. And so it's uh, it's disaster. And, and actual regulations uh, that, according to the Federal Register of Regulations, that under Obama, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pages have been added since January of 2009. And that's one area alone that a president, uh, a president Newt Gingrich, can splash page after page after page of regulations without a single vote from Congress. And I think they'll do that. Well, that would be great. You know, there was one that was advertised today that they're trying to regulate now, mud puddles. Absolutely, you know. Uh, they pull out trees and logging roads. Now they want to regulate the roads. Just, uh, you know, mud, but it boils down to one thing, mud puddles. I mean, how far will these people go? These people want to make make uh, dust illegal, and I I went to school at Abilene Christian yeah. University in Abilene, Texas, and I know what it's like I'm out in Kansas where you are. Essentially, they're waging a war on the rural areas, is what they're trying to do. Literally, waging war on the rural areas, and why wouldn't they? Uh, they're not going to get any political votes from the rural areas. You can see where the hostility comes from. They're insane. There are a bunch of academics who have no sense of reality. Less than 10% of the Obama administration has any business experience. Less than any president in U.S. Right. history. Right. And in addition to that, those who do have business experience have pure Wall Street experience. They have no idea what it's like to comply with government regulations for uh, small businesses, which create over 80% of the jobs in America. Well, absolutely, but I'll tell you one thing. I, it would surprise me that under a normal administration, if over half of these guys could even pass a security clearance. Um, anyway, uh, going on from that. So what I can what I can see for America is we have to restore. We have to get back to what we were. Um, your book is is that what it's about? Tell us a yeah, bit it, it talks about practical ways of doing it. Uh, I'm uh, a little more. Uh, pragmatic, I guess you could say, than a Ron Paul who thinks that overnight you could restore Article 1, Section 8, and the 17 powers, you know, it will require a movement back in this direction. And I talk about how that movement is achieved, and really it's achieved by maximizing individual power, reducing government power in every single aspect of, uh, of the economy, and uh, really recognizing that the more the government is involved, the weaker, not only individuals in general are faster, but in particularly those who are weak. I think, for example, uh, all the regulations that are created by the government ostensibly to protect people. For example, I'll give you a great example. This administration right here
here wants to make it uh, virtually uh, – they don't want any credit checks involved on anyone getting a checking, checking account. They want to uh, force uh, businesses, banks, for example, to get checking accounts without, without any look into their references and into their background. Well, the result of that is going to be is that they're going to have to require, absolutely require, uh, costs in the front end to make sure that there's protection on the back end for checks that are written. And then, and then a counter for that is, okay, you can have those uh, uh, requirements of doing some background checks, but you have to dramatically lower the cost of a bad check. Well, then they're saying, hey, we, we're not going to get checking accounts at all. That's what banks are saying. And so what you're doing is they're actually creating an underclass that used to be a low middle class on their way up the economic ladder. They're doing that in loans, for home loans. They're doing that in banks for checking. And, well, and the reason why is very simple. The Democratic Party, and Barack Obama in particular, needs poor people. He's essentially, I hate to use the expression, but he's a poverty pimp. He makes a living off of poverty. Sure. And so those numbers have got to grow. And it's not an accident that we have more people below poverty level than any time in over 20 years. You've got to make sure that, yeah, if they just do that. I have thought, you know, witness this myself. That you know the food stamp president, of course, he wants to make it easier. Exemptions on unemployment, you know, come on. Most people don't start to even look for work until they get the, to their last two or three weeks of check. Uh, because you know, we when I was young, we used to call it our rocking chair money. You know, we was taking a vacation. I worked in the union and uh, construction, so we took off for a while. Look, we're going to go to a break, but won't you tell us about? Aren't you giving away this book? And I am. Don't it's you have available. a website? Yeah, it's available at usdailyreview.com, which is a website I'm the publisher of, and it is absolutely free. Um, it was a bestseller in early 1990s. Dick Army and many others endorsed it, and uh, it's absolutely free today, uh, updated for uh, what's going on today. Go to usdailyreview.com. You'll see uh, right there where you can uh, order your free copy of the book, and I'd love to be able to get that to your audience. Okay, do you have a personal website uh, or blog site also? Yeah, my website is fightsofbusiness.com. That's fightsofbusiness.com. Okay, well, when we get back, um, I want to ask you a couple of things about yourself and then maybe get into this. Um, part of what you was talking about just now was really applied to the housing market crash that just happened. So, folks, we'll be back in about three minutes with more with Mr. <laughs> Food, 
Donate online by going to In 1929, the Soviet Union established gun control. In 1929-1953, about 20 million dissidents, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. In 1911, Turkey established gun control. From 1915 to 1917, 1.5 million Armenians, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Germany established gun control in 1938, and from 1939 to 1945, 13 million Jews and others were unable to defend themselves, rounded up, and exterminated. China established gun control in 1935. From 1948 to 1952, 20 million political dissidents, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Guatemala established gun control in 1964. From 1964 to 1981, 100,000 Mayan Indians, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Uganda established gun control in 1970. From 1971 to 1979, 300,000 Christians, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Cambodia established gun control in 1956. From 1975 to 1977, one million educated people, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Defenseless people rounded up and exterminated in the 20th century because of gun control totaled 56 million people. Gun owners in Australia were forced to surrender firearms, a program costing Australian taxpayers more than $500 million. The first year statistics are now in. Homicides are up 3.2%. Assaults are up 8.6%. Armed robberies, 44%. Homicides with firearms, 300%. During World War II, the Japanese decided not to invade America because they knew most Americans were armed. Are the shootings of the Stockton Schoolyard, McDonald's, Columbine, Jonesboro, Amish School, and Virginia Tech, and more simply the work of mad, out-of-control gun owners, the only answer to which is to confiscate all citizen weapons? Could it be the work of a secret mind-control program? Why is it that the shootings follow a four-step pattern? They attack our safe places, where we think, oh, this could never happen here. The gunman has no discernible pattern that can be stopped, leaving the only solution to confiscate the guns. Three, the gunman has little or no reason to kill the people. Four, when they have finished the killing spree, they shoot themselves in the head. If you value your freedom, please order mind-controlled gun confiscation for a gift of $30 or more, 785-266-1112.
folks, not all these people are what you think of the old drunks and those kind of people. In fact, the old drunks and alcoholics and those kind of people are only about two or three years of the homeless. The rest of them are there because of economic situations or maybe women that are in abuse. So help us help them, and we also help the poor in the general neighborhood. And now we're back, and we're talking about uh, a book that this man wrote, and we're right. Be there with us, Kevin. Yeah, well, glad to be with you. I really enjoy it. Okay. Um, just before we went on break, um, you were talking about how easy the Obama administration was making it so people could get uh, uh, checking accounts, and then you barely touched on the housing market, but isn't that what happened with the housing market, that people was able to easily get loans? Yeah, no question about it. You know, I don't know about you, but I find it very interesting that uh, Christopher Dodd, chairman of the, of the Senate uh, Banking Committee, and now uh, Barney Frank, who is uh, the chairman of the House uh, Banking Committee, are now both leaving. You know, one's already left Congress. One was about to leave Congress. By the way, both of them have had ethics charges following them as they left, essentially forced to leave. They knew they were going to be caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And what was that cookie jar? Forcing, forcing financial institutes to act in a manner that wasn't in their interest or in the interest of their uh, stockholders to force them to give loans to people who weren't capable of paying loans that led to the explosion that took place in 2008. And it is a story that's not being covered at all by the media. It's mind-boggling to me. Well, absolutely. In fact, this whole administration, number one, the media is not going to cover it. I mean, this administration, during this administration, they all love this administration, you know, um, unless we want to get out of the normal media, like talk radio, which we're doing right now, or getting on the Internet. But the normal media is not going to do it because, you know, they're just they're just in love with uh, the left, if we can even call it left anymore. I, I wonder sometimes now what to call any of it, um, because it's just so uh, increasingly, heavily, uh, so to speak. I guess that's a word for it. But it's a great word. It's a great word. Okay, well, um, you know, yeah, they, those people, I can look at, at this Congress, this administration, and what's going on, and in, in an what would seem like 20 years that ago that they would, you know, want to arrest half of these people. There's all kinds of criminal things going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's a parliament of thieves. You know, you talk, you know, think about Jesus flipping tables over in the, t- in the <coughs> temple. I can't imagine what he would react to, to this Congress. And it's unethical, it's unmoral. Uh, they all have their own agendas, and uh, their agendas have little to do with the uh, national interest. And unfortunately, it transcends party lines. It, you're getting down to uh, a few dozen in the House and a single digits in the Senate of people that aren't purely driven by ambition. It's amazing. Now, um, I wanted—I uh, noticed you brought up the Tea Party and these movements that are going on. Um, what do you think about the Tea Party? Is the Tea Party over with, or what? What's going on? What do you think? Well, I think the Tea Party is kind of redirecting its energies on congressional races because I think there was a sense from Tea Party members that they had a belief that they were going to have a hard time heavily influencing the presidential race because in the GOP in particular, it really is big on who's next in line. That's how 
that's how, uh, you know, um, uh, McCain ended up getting the nomination sure. in 2008. That's why Romney will probably have a very good chance of getting that nomination in spite of his incredible inadequacies. It's a very hard place to shake things up, uh, you know, the GOP nomination for the White House. So I think they're, they're uh, throwing up those members, those 60-plus Tea Party members that got elected in 2010. Uh, most of those are good guys who deserve to have earned re-election, in my opinion, and uh, trying to win even more House seats and really exploit the situation in the U.S. Senate. People were wondering why we didn't win back the, you know, the conservatives didn't win the U.S. Senate in 2010. It's real, real simple. In 2010, for every Republican, um, I, I'm sorry, for every Democrat that was up for re-election, there were two Republicans. And so the odds were wildly in favor of the Democrats. It's the exact opposite scenario in 2012. So there's a very good chance that we could have at least a much more conservative Senate in 2013 than we have now. Uh, and there's a good chance that we can have an even better House and get a Speaker of the House that we deserve. We, we deserve a bit better than uh, Speaker Boehner, I'm afraid. He, he, to me, he's an insult to the Tea Party. Well, you want to elaborate a little bit on him? Um, I'm in agreement with you, but I wonder if, uh, if you have any more thoughts than just that on it. Well, you know, uh, Monty Hall retired from Let's Make a Deal. They really should replace, replace uh, John Boehner for that job. But that guy loves to make deals. Yeah, His absolutely. ability to, to fight is among the weakest I've ever seen. He's kind of like the old Republicans that were in before the GOP ever won back the Congress. I think of Bob Michael that was before Newt Gingrich. And we need real leadership. The guy was behind the, 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 big, the big bailout of Bush. The guy has been behind uh, so many different things that are so fundamentally unconstitutional. We deserve better. Mike, I think Mike Pence uh, should have uh, ran for it. I think he possibly could have won because of those Tea Party members. But alas, it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's make a deal. That's a, that's a, a, a very good uh, um, analogy of, of that man. Um, we really do. I think we really can shake it up. I think we are. I think we're. I'm a little more optimistic. I think we are going to get control of the Senate, and we're going to get some more in on the House too. And I'm I'm praying that they will then, you know, force whatever Republican president we get into doing more of our will of the people because, you know, again, looking at the presidential candidates, it doesn't just look like a, you know, very good odds. But anybody's better than Barack. What yeah, about yeah. you? Uh, yeah, and I, I do believe we will win the Senate. I, I honestly do, but we'll be in the Republicans, not conservatives. Right. I think, you know, take, for example, Richard Luger. Luger is probably going to win re-election, although I, I hope his, his, uh, his, his state treasurer is running against him win. Luger, Luger is, is, is such a switch. That's the majority of the Republicans in the Senate are. There's only a handful that really will make a difference. We're hoping Ted Cruz here running for the U.S. Senate ends up being one of those people to make a difference. Right, absolutely. You know, a lot of those guys that are, that are there, you know, we keep talking and, you know, saying Republican. You really can't even put that name on them because they really aren't that. They're something else, you know. They, it's came so far away from the original content of being a Republican or being a conservative that, they're just there, a lot of them there for their own gain. And that's what I would like to see taken out of Congress. They, do you agree? Do you think Congress is too much, well, I guess too much time, maybe a term limit for a second? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not an advocate of term limits, uh, mainly because of the fact I worked as an AP, a U.S. senator, mm-hmm. and my experience was that it takes people about as long as what they think a term limit should be uh, for these people to even figure out how government works. Really? That means that you will transfer authority from elected people to legislative bureaucrats who will be there for generation after generation. Second of all, think about this. If you're a House member and you know you're going to be term limited out in, say, eight years, you're immediately beginning to send pork, not just to your district, but to the entire state so you can run for statewide office in eight years. And so it would create a whole oh, yeah, really. of uh, corruption. They've got to limit their power, not limit their term. Okay, well, um, I just want to see, you know, I don't know, they, so many of them just get up there and they seem like they just talk. They don't listen to the people at all. Um, and I guess that's why I, I, I think term limits or, you know, just, I don't know, more accountability, I guess. Yeah. We've got to get we got to get really electing people who believe in Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution, that there are only 17 powers for the federal government and that everything else is, according to the Tenth Amendment, left to the states and the citizens thereof. And, and we've got to continue to work harder and harder to get those types of people uh, elected to uh, really restore limited constitutional government and make, you know, ideas that Rick Perry was talking about, and he's got plenty of, he's another big government conservative, but ideas he was talking about of a part-time Congress, I love ideas like that. We've got to make the idea of being an elected official in federal government a less sexy, if you will, proposition. Yeah, um, I like Rick Perry's ideas, and but it's too bad that they came out of Rick Perry as who he is. You know what I mean? It just didn't fit. You know, it, it didn't fit at all. Both in his rhetoric and in his actual, uh, both in, in the way he governed, he, he he wasn't very quick on his feet. Right. You know, for those debates, not at all. Maybe we should have uh, tried to find the person that was feeding him all those ideas and telling him what to say. Uh, might be the good person that we needed, you know. Uh, it, it makes you wonder because, you know, these people get up here and, and you know, they don't even dislike Obama as a teleprompter king. You know, they most of them don't even write their own speeches. So, you know, how much of a real president are we seeing in any of that? Or, for that matter, senators. Exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed. I know when I worked in, and my boss was smarter than most, Gordon Humphrey, yeah. incredibly savvy uh, compared to both of those members up there, uh, very conservative from New Hampshire. Uh, but I'm telling you, some of those guys were, I- I'm amazed to figure out how to make it to their office every day. They're <laughs> not particularly bright, let alone being legislators, you know, uh, of the bill set uh, that, that come out of there. And uh, it, it, it shows me, it shows that we do need to be electing a higher quality of people, and we need to create a government environment that when you get elected to government, it's a sacrifice. It's not an opportunity to increase your wealth, right. like it has been for so many politicians, the Harry Reeds and, and the many others out there who, who really went from nothing to very rich, Lyndon Johnson, right. all from being in office. Well, you know, I think it all kind of goes back to the fact that we need to wake up everybody at the local level. Even You know, I see this even in, in the church. We talk about the church being asleep and talking about everything about what they ought to be talking about. You know, used to be um, whenever there was a problem, the first place that you heard it from was the pulpit. Now it seems like that's the last place that you hear it from is the pulpit. We need to get our people 
broadly, whether it's Christians or non-Christians, whatever, we need to get involved at the local level and, you know, get more excited about it because inevitability, it's our fault that that who's been off us, you know. We've been asleep and just not taking charge. And, of course, everyone's all interested about protecting their 501c3 tax status. Absolutely. might have to come up with the reality check and say, is it worth it to keep that status? That status, if it undermines our responsibility as Christians. And this whole attitude, this holistic approach to Christianity, we go to church for Sunday, but we leave it at, at home Monday through Friday, and we don't apply it into our work life, which includes how we you know, uh, look at politics, is, is why we are in the disaster we're in today. The church has become a sleeping giant. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Let me let me hit a couple of things here, my brother. Number one, the church, according to the IRS, is now this is without a 501c3. They are non-tax accessible, and they are already tax exempt. They do not have to file and be a 501c3 corporation. That's just to get a number so somebody can pick up the phone and call and say, "Hey, I want to make a donation here. Here's this number. Are they okay?" Well, you know what? I've been, we've been in church for over 20 years, and we are a non 501 c church, and we get donations anywhere from $100 up to $5,000 at once or, or sometimes more, sometimes less. And believe me, those people are out there getting tax deductions from our donations because we are what we are. We are a church. Now, having said that, whenever, folks, whenever a, a, any corporation, if you look at what is the head of a corporation, the state is the head of a corporation. They set the rules, and you have to answer to them. Christ is supposed to be head of the church, not the local state government. And so you're right. This church is asleep, and most of that is due to money because they're running churches like corporations and businesses instead of running it like the church that it's supposed to be. Because all these conservative ideas that we have should be, I mean, they should be solved but America is being taken over. Christ, our Christian ideals are being taken apart, and it's simply because the church isn't speaking out. It's actually just a complete hijacking is what it is. Absolutely. And the church is just really acting like victims when they should be acting like salt and light. Absolutely. We need to stand up. And that's what—that's the kind of movement that we're hoping and praying for. And we've been having some Every, let me tell you this, uh, every guest that has been on my radio program in the last couple of years, when, when I ask them, I'll throw it in there, I'll say, well, you know, do you think the church could be a little outspoken? Even pastors, they say the same thing. They say the church needs to wake up, they need to stand up and stand their ground and, and say something. And you're right, you made that comment that, you know, Christianity needs to extend out, not just on Sunday. Uh, well, let me go like this. You know, what, one of the number one questions that's repeated over and over to me by the homeless, and that is, they'll go, Pastor Dan, they'll go, how come the church is just like everybody else as soon as they pull out of the parking lot on Sunday? No, I don't have an answer for them, but it's the truth. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and there's this, it's really dualism. It goes back to dualism. And it's this idea that we go to worship. But Paul said, Paul said in Romans 12, that we are worship. That when we, our Christian life is to be worship unto God. We don't merely go to worship, we are worship. And therefore, this dualism, and leaving Christianity at church and then going on with the rest of our life, is completely incongruent with biblical Christianity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm preaching to the choir right
brother? Yeah, well, <laughs> well you, you, we got folks out there listening, you know, so that's what counts. And believe me, this program gets picked up. Uh, we have listeners, and I can sit here and say hi to listeners in Singapore. I can say hi to listeners in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Detroit, Michigan, because we got people all over that listen to us. And uh, so this gets out there. And when we get a good program, and usually one that, that uh, outspoken, so to speak, they pass it around. Awesome. You know. And you know where? I don't know if you know. You asked me about a station uh, earlier. Let me tell you something else that we're seeing a broad pickup, and our podcast site is, is starting to get a new app. Is even in the new cars? Uh, in fact, they've got a commercial on TV that shows these four people get a car. I don't know. They're supposed to be famous people, and one of them I think is a girl singer. But when she gets on, what she do? She presses thing on the dash, and it says podcast. And then they start singing. And, but the point is, is people are now listen to radio programs. That's the new thing on their iPhone. They listen to it by podcast. They download them through their phones or iPads or all those things. And that's where radio is headed to right now. No uh, question about it. I agree. And they uh, want to have exactly the programming they want. And uh, I do that. I do the exact same thing. Sometimes I listen to my own podcast. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, after we get done with this, pro- you know, when this pro- after this program goes out on satellite, then it is put on podcast and people pick it up with iTunes and all kinds of different apps. And so it's, it's really broadly distributed. But that's what we need. So, folks, so many of you are listening. You need to share this with others, and you need to get this book. I want to ask you, while we still got time, I want to ask you, what do you think about the – what is this Occupy Wall Street – thing really about, what, from your opinion, what is this thing? Well, I, I believe that it's uh, heavily supported by George Soros. I believe it's designed to create chaos, and uh, I think that its intention is to uh, really uh, foster this idea of uh, collective victimhood. We, are, we have gone from collective accountability, or individual accountability, rather, to collective entitlement and collective victimhood. And that's what, uh, that's what this movement, this so-called movement, is all about. It's violent, it is uncivilized, and it's calling for something that's completely impossible. It wants to, get, it wants to tax businesses more. Here's a reality check. If a, te- if a business makes a profit, I want people to listen carefully to me. If businesses are making a profit, they're not paying taxes at all. What do I mean by that? Well, the reason why is very simple. Because businesses are only tax collectors, and taxes are a fixed cost of doing business. So as long as the business is making a profit, it is not it is not paying a penny in taxes. It is only tax collecting, and it will always be in that state until it's no longer making a profit, which means it will no longer exist. We need a truly transparent tax system that doesn't bother taxing businesses at all and leaves that work to politicians rather than the dirty work of businesses that chase businesses all over the world. The reason why businesses are leaving this country is they don't want that fixed cost of doing business. The element is a fixed cost of doing business. They want these competitive products, and so they, they move to other parts of the world to keep their products more competitive to make sure that we buy those products. We need to get rid of a trans of the system that's currently not transparent and so we can keep those jobs back in this country. But the whole Occupy crowd, what they're about, in my opinion, is, is about creating chaos. It's yeah. driven by George Soros. George Soros makes a living on betting on an economy going bad. He 
did that in England. He's done that in Africa. He's trying to do it in the United States of America. Absolutely. They just somebody just I just read an interview with him that was out on I got it off the Drudge Report I think a couple of days ago, but now I think everybody's been talking about it and the parts of it that I read I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but he was talking about that um, he believes number one that this Occupy movement and the all the uh, we're, we're going to see riots in the streets this next year in the United States and all over the world. And, you know, the commentator that had was interviewing him said that he was smirking, you know, when he was talking about it. Um, I agree. This is total George Soros stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The guy makes a living. You see, it's much easier to move something towards the bad, to move something towards the destruction, and to bet on that. To bet, you know, in, in Wall Street for something to improve, that's especially in the current environment, that's risky. But the, the bet, and all of his, all of his investments are betting on things getting worse. He's got, a, he's got a vested interest in making things worse. So that's what he does for a living. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's like a James Bond character. He, he reminds me of a Goldfinger. Yeah. He's sinister. You know, everything about him is sinister. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that when I saw him. You know, uh, absolutely. But I want to say one thing about some of these Occupy Wall Street people. I feel like a, a lot of them, you know, I've seen them ask some of them, you know, why are you there and so on and so forth. I think a lot of them are there because some of them had a nostalgia for what their parents did, you know, back in the 60s. And a lot of them, I just believe, are just being taken advantage of because they really don't know what they're there to do and what do you think. Yeah, I, I think uh, that movements like that are uh, heavily populated with uh, what uh, Marxists would call uh, useful idiots, you know, and, and, and they and are simulating a Marxist uh, philosophy. Uh, I think one of the things that's most interesting about their characteristics is how vague all of their positions are. And if you started talking about everything from anti-Semitism to uh, government control of everything, if, if they actually develop hard things, it became overarching themes of their movement. I think their movement would dissipate almost overnight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, tell us the name of this book again and, and how you can get it and your website because we're really okay. running out of time here. Well, I really appreciate the time too. It's how many revolts required, and uh, some of the ways of getting it. You can go to usdailyreview.com. That's usdailyreview.com. And you'll see it probably there where you can get information on it. Or you can email us at info at usdailyreview.com. That's info at usdailyreview.com. We'd love to give you a copy of that book. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll for sure uh, send an email over there because I want a copy of it. i got to see what you got to say. Well, thanks for being on, and we'll do this again. But maybe uh, while I'm saying goodbye to you, hang on with me while I say goodbye to the folks, and we'll go out of here together. Okay, folks, remember, number one about everything, you must always be a blessing to others. Always. You must remember that there's only one God, and that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his son is Yeshua HaMashiach, who gave his life for our repentant sin, died and rose three days and three nights later. Through him is the only way to the Father. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. And then love your neighbor as thyself. These are the two greatest commandments. Everything else is based on these. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, like praying for Messiah's return. 
Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, asking that you to homage you his name, that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time to Messiah's Branch. Are you ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and tune in each night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific to the Omega Man Radio Network with your host, Shannon Ray Davis. Omega Man Radio is taking enemy territory for Jesus Christ, Yahshua preaching the gospel of the Messiah, and ministering in deliverance and miracle healing. Add some great guest interviews, and you have the recipe for fresh oil for the airwaves. Tune in at OmegaManRadio.com. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 
875-8010 or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. The ancient Greeks thought thyme herbs provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herbs when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010. Or online at thepowerherbs.com. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. I hope you had a great day. Magical engineer Frank and I are here to do that's what we like to do, and that's what we're going to do. Oh, we got a great show. Um, I know I promised to talk about congestive heart failure, but that is such a lengthy little topic uh, that we're going to save it for next time. And we're going to be talking for the first part of the show about um, your digestion. Yeah, how to how to make it you know, really smooth sailing, like driving a Ferrari smooth, okay? <laughs> you know, it just goes. We're going to talk about that. Um, and we have a special guest that is scheduled to be with us for a little bit after the bottom of the hour. Um, we're going to be talking with the inventor of out-of-the-park hot sauce. Uh, they are right here in North Carolina, I believe in Cary, North Carolina. And uh, we're going to be talking with Scott. And I need a little help on his last name. I'm not sure how he pronounces it. I think it's Granny or Grani. I have to find out from him when he comes on the show. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of peek into his little world and how he got started. And hey, it may jumpstart a lot of you out there for uh, starting your own businesses. So um, we'll, we'll we'll be with him shortly. And uh, don't forget, if you're looking for um, the quest for the cures, look no further than on our website at thepowerherbs.com. Go to the links page. And click on Ty Bollinger's uh, banner called Quest for the Cures, and uh, you'll learn all about his um, scouting all over the United States for natural remedies for um, things like cancer. So uh, he's put it together in a nice little DVD collection and book form, so you can click on that banner and learn more about that. He is also currently 
scouting the country once again. So he can do an additional, um, I guess, you know, addition to that. It's called Quest for the Cures Continues. He says he plans to release that in October. So uh, lots of great information out there to empower all of you, and I applaud Ty and all his people for doing that. It's a great collection to have. So uh, check that out, powerherbs.com, and click on the links page. Uh, we do have a quack report, but before we get to that, big salute and temper five, praying for our righteous men and women in uniform. And um, I know we've had some bit of a, 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 I guess, security scare. I know uh, New York's on high alert, their subway system, so we're going to pray. Uh, God's hand of protection be on America and protect us all, because we're going to need some supernatural help, and it's our job to ask. You know, seek the Lord's face, mind, and the time hits knees, because the time grows short. And without further ado, let's do this quack report. Thanks, Frank. What do we got in the quacker? Uh, let's see. This is interesting. With all the technology we have, right? Uh, it says multitasking with your brain and all this technology, they say it's going to lower, lower your gray matter. Apparently, a part of your brain that processes information is kind of overload with the multitasking, all the laptops and tablets and emails and cell phones, all the media devices. They say it tends to lead us to poor attention spans. And also, they say the area of the brain that's affected when we do that also affects emotional issues. It can cause depression and anxiety. Um, also, we can have a lack of emotion. Isn't that interesting? This is new research that University of Sussex uh, put together. They say that it's a new study that uh, men and women who frequently use several types of technology at the same time uh, reduce their gray matter, which is a key part of your brain. So they say simultaneously when we use mobile devices, laptops, other media things, um, it tends to change the structure of the brain. Okay, he, they say that part of the brain that shrinks <laughs> is involved in processing emotions. Could be why I love waxes cold, huh? Well, research was linked to multitasking, shortening the attention span, causing depression and anxiety, and lowering grades in school. So they had a bunch of volunteers, and they gave them brain scans, and um, they, they noticed the gray matter area in the region called the anterior cingulate cortex, or ACC for short. Their findings um, even held when you took into effect the differences in personality. So they, they published their findings in the Journal of Polos One, and uh, so they, they, they are the only people so far to, do, to find a link between multitasking and affecting brain structure. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, what else do we have in the quack report? Um, well, Liberia, of course, you know, with the Western Africa and the Ebola, Liberia Daily Observer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.